This is Jocko Podcast number 129 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Cry had risen for the reserve, and it must come as soon as possible. We ran what we could run. Our lieutenant colonel fell, killed almost at the first. Beyond this, we lost our major, and indeed, all of the officers but three. Three only. We had crossed two successive ditches which lay in an orchard to the left of the first houses, in, and we were beginning to form in front of the village. But there was no standing of it. Besides the general cannon fire such as hardly can be imagined, there was also a rain of case shot upon this battalion, of which I, as there was no colonel left, had to take command. A third battalion of the Royal Prussian Foot Guards, which had already made several of our regiments pass that same kind of muster, gave, at a distance of 80 paces, the liveliest fire upon us. It stood as if on the parade ground, that third battalion, and waited for us without stirring. The Austrian regiment at our right hand could not get itself formed properly because of the houses. It was standing 30 deep and sometimes its shots hit us in the back. On my left, the Austrian regiment ran its way and I was glad of that in comparison. By no method or effort could I get the dragoons who stood 50 yards to the rear of me to cut in a little and help me out. My soldiers, who were still tired from running, had no cannon support, were scattered, fewer in number, and were mainly fighting out of sullenness. It was more out of honor than the notion of doing good in the affair that prevented us from running off. Finally, two officers of the Grenadiers brought me what they still had. Some Hungarians, too, were luckily got together. But at last, with all help and the remnants of my own brave battalion, I drew back. And that right there is a report from Charles Joseph Lamoral the prince, Prince de Ling, I believe is how you say it, who is a captain in the Austrian army fighting against the Prussians during the Seven Years' War. And that particular battle was the Battle of Luth, which took place on December 5th, 1757, where the Austrians suffered about 22 thousand casualties about one-third of their forces and that was at the hands of the Prussian army who interestingly had about half the number of troops as the Austrians and the Prussian army was led by 
a guy by the name of King Frederick II, who became known as Frederick the Great. And you know, this type of fighting was, it was brutal. And it's, it's sort of is the classic vision of the old European infantry tactics, like what you picture troops lined up by rank, marching forward to close with the enemy in what often became just a test of will and courage. And whose will and whose courage was stronger, who would drive forward and who was going to back down, who was going to run away. But on top of that will and courage, you also, there was still maneuvers happening out there. And the, the movements were centralized, but the, but the maneuvers were still happening, happening. And the battlefield still required there to be leadership, to maneuver these elements around, to assess what was happening, and then to drive the troops to get the job done. Leadership was absolutely required, and one of the most respected leaders of this era was the leader at that battle of the Prussians, Frederick the Great. Now, Frederick the Great, interesting character. Born in 1712, his father, Frederick William, and he he seemed like one of those kind of tyrannical fathers that really pushed his son with extreme discipline and all that. And guess what? Young Frederick didn't like it. Didn't like it. Wasn't wasn't into that. You know what he was into? Music, literature. That's what he was into. Mm-hmm. And he actually plotted an escape to England. And he had a couple of his buddies help him out. Had a little plan, put the plan together. I'm gonna get out, get away from my tyrannical dad who's trying to, you know, turn me into this warmongering guy. And the plot got foiled. And the king actually captured, he captured one of the two friends that was helping young Frederick and then sentenced him to death. And young Frederick had to watch his friend who had tried to help him get beheaded. Yeah. And despite that, he eventually got on board with becoming a military leader and becoming king, and he gained a reputation for being extremely aggressive on the battlefield. And there's a good quote. I think Napoleon had a good quote about him, which was something along the lines of, if Frederick the Great was still here, we wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he, he got a lot of respect, and he led very successful campaigns all over Europe. He was... He was known for having an extremely hard work ethic, strong work ethic. Interestingly, he woke up at either four or five o'clock in the morning every morning. So <laughs> he, he, he was one of those guys. And another interesting thing, at a time when, when the royals all over Europe and the world, when they kind of flaunted their riches, he wasn't like that. He was kind of like a low-profile guy. He allowed free speech. He allowed people to even insult him, which was... You know, I mean, obviously his old man didn't have any problem just tossing out the death sentence. Mm. But there was a, a story about him where there was like a poster hung up that someone had done a drawing that made him kind of look like a buffoon. Mm. And he was going through this village where this thing was hung up and he kind of went to see what all this commotion, all these people were around. He went to see what all the commotion was was about. And he saw this sign hand, hanging up on a post. And his comment was, hey, 
lower that sign down a little bit so people don't hurt their necks while they're looking at it. So <laughs> he's one of those guys. And you know, so he kinda had his ego in check, which mm. is which is definitely good. And his his tactics, like I said, I mean they're still even when you had these rigid sort of ranks in battles, you still had to maneuver the out the elements around the battlefield and his tactics were based in mobility and being able to move quickly being able to move more quickly than the enemy and he focused on drill and more drilling and this is another interesting thing in his opinion he because drill I don't know if you know this but when we say drill in the military we're talking about you ever seen like a drill team with the rifles and they march and everything's perfect a few good men at the beginning remember that movie at the beginning, it's like everyone's in for like yeah, that's in what sequence. it is. I yeah. haven't, I can't remember that. I've definitely seen the movie, but I can't remember yeah. that particular part. But yeah, that's what drill is. Yeah, so yeah. when people talk about drill, that's what they're talking about. And he was saying, he, you know, he was of the opinion that people often mis- mistook drill for the art of war. Mm. He's like, no, they're two different things, yeah. and and they're important. And there's a reason why you do drill. And it teaches you certain things. It teaches you a lot about discipline. It teaches you about responding to orders quickly. Mm-hmm. It teaches you how to work together as a team. So there's there's definitely a reason for drill, but that is not the art of war mm-hmm. at all. So at age 35, he was he had been sick and he was recovering from an illness, but he was, I guess, still a little bit down, so he was doing what he could. In in this case in this case, it meant that he wrote down some some of his principles. And the first version of it was called the instruction of Frederick the Great to his generals and that piece was kind of revised and the title was eventually changed to general principles of war and we're gonna look at that book today and see what we can learn from Frederick the Great and I was actually I'm always surprised at how much I have to learn and how much I can learn from people that fought several hundred years ago mm-hmm. and led several hundred years ago it's amazing it's amazing <laughs> what you can learn from these folks all right so here we go going to the book this section is called the capabilities of Prussian troops and their particular merit the greatest force of the Prussian army resides in their wonderful regularity which long custom has made a habit in exact obedience and in the bravery of the troops the discipline of these troops now evolved into habit has such effect that in the greatest confusion of an action and the most evident perils their disorder is still more orderly than the good order of their enemies so so there you go this is this is discipline equals freedom in whatever 17 something if you think about what he's saying, his troops were so disciplined that even when there's total chaos going on, in their in their worst state, they still are more squared away than the enemy is because mm. their discipline is so strong. Mm. Back to the book. Consequently, small confusions are redressed in a moment, and all evolutions are made promptly. Doesn't matter what you do to them. Confusion, no problem. We got discipline. A general of other troops could be surprised in circumstances in which he would not be if commanding Prussians, since he will find resources in the speed with which they form and maneuver in the presence of the enemy. And this is something that I say all the time. Was that like in a SEAL platoon? 
in my SEAL platoon, in my SEAL task unit, in an Army or Marine Corps infantry platoon, the discipline that they have gives them more freedom freedom on the battlefield because they can react to things quicker. Yeah. That's exactly what we're talking about. Exactly, exact same thing Frederick the Great realized. Back to the book. Prussians' discipline renders these troops capable of executing the most difficult maneuvers, such as traversing a wood in battle without losing their files or distances, advancing in close order at double time, forming with promptness, reversing their direction suddenly to fall on the flank of the enemy, gaining an advantage by a forced march, and finally in surpassing the enemy in constancy and fortitude. Discipline equals freedom. I'm glad he didn't use that title. He could have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he could have. Now he's got something in here, and and when I when I initially read this part, um, I was like, oh, well, that's a little bit off of my thoughts. Mm. But he comes back to it later, and and we'll get to that part. Remind me actually when he when he get to this part talking about decentralized command because here he talks about. Something that's a little bit opposite of what I usually say. So here we go back to the book obedience to the officers and subordination is so exact that no one ever questions an order hours are observed exactly and however little a general knows how to make himself obeyed he is always sure to be no one ever reasons about the possibility of an enterprise and finally its accomplishment is never despaired of so what he's saying there is you know like everyone just listens to me that's what everyone just listens and no one questions the orders. And we're gonna to get to later where he actually, there's a, two things. Number one, he really takes care of his people. Mm-hmm. So they listen to him because he takes care of them. Yeah. It's not because he barks orders of them, it's, not, it's that he really cares about them and he takes care of them. And the other thing he talks, and he'll talk later about this, is how getting input from people is important. Mm-hmm. So even though he lays that out there, I think that's almost like a little macho. He throw, he's throwing some macho, hey, look at me. Everyone just listens to me. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it is. I don't know if you noticed this. When we had uh, Colonel Fife on the podcast, and I was talking about this with Dave Burke the other day. When we first were, were talking with Colonel Fife, you know, he was saying, yeah, well, you know, everyone just did what I told them to do. Mm. And I was kind of like, wow, you know, that, that, I always say that that doesn't really work. You know, mm. so I'm thinking of this to myself. You know, he says, yeah, people just tell them what to do and they do it. That's what made my group my, my unit so good yeah. and I was like wow and then he went into it and when he went into it all the answers were there mm. he was like no 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 I cared about my guys and then he went into I don't know if you remember this he went into this part about where he said look if you're in a tank and you tell someone to get out of the tank yeah. when the tanks are hitting yeah. bullets are hitting fix the tank the tracks, yeah and go fix the track you think they're gonna do that just because you told them to yeah. no they're not yeah. not if you don't take care of them not if yeah. they don't understand. so even though he initially said kind of like what Frederick the Great is saying hey people are just gonna listen to me yeah. both saying the same kind of thing but both of them have a lot more depth behind that reaction from their troops mm. so when Whenever somebody hears something like that, it's like, no, it's not true. It doesn't work. As a matter of fact, there's a, a chapter in the new book coming out that Leif and I wrote. And Leif's talking about this one CEO that we're working with that's kind of like quoting Patton. Like, mm. discipline is the ultimate. And same thing. Leif's talking to the guy like, hey, that's not the way the military works. And he believed that when he would hear this kind of thing, this is like a macho thing to say, right? Is that the right word? I don't know if that's the right word. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a bold statement. Hey, my troops just listen to me, yeah. right? It's not true. There's so much more depth right, right. that sure. makes that actually happen. Yeah. All right. Going back to the book, the Prussians are superior to their enemies 
in constancy since the officers who have no other profession nor other fortune to hope from except their arms animate themselves with ambition and a gallantry beyond all test because the soldier has a confidence in himself and because he makes it a point of honor to never give way so I just we were working with a company uh, doing a doing an FTX training you know so we're out in the field and I was talking to them about cover and move and I said if you're walking while you're covering your field of fire from a level of 1 to 10 how well can you do it and you know people are like I don't know 5 6 cuz when you're walking you can't really you know you got to look where you're walking got to look what everyone else is doing you you can't just look at your field of fire you can't just look at your field of fire which is where you're looking for threats yeah. I said when you do cover and move and you stop and you get behind some cover and then you just your whole job is just to look how good do you do? One to ten. And everyone's like, ten. And I said, yeah. And and that's kind of the same thing here where you get this guy, when you have people that their whole life is just dedicated to one thing, mm-hmm. well, then they're going to do it good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these these uh, Prussian officers who had no, nothing else going for them other than being in the military. Yeah. They're going to do a good job of it. Mm. That's why sometimes people ask me, should I start another job while I'm on active duty? And quite frankly, my answer is no. Mm. It's if you do, it's got to be so on the side that it doesn't interfere at all with your job as being a being in the military. Mm. It's just too hard to balance two things. Can you give a little advice? Can you maybe set something up on the side? Yeah, but dedicate focus on focus on what you're doing. A hundred percent. There's nothing else that I don't. I just don't. I don't see that as working out very well. Mm. I say just focus on what you're doing. That's my opinion. Some people pull it off. I've never known anyone that pulled it off. Well, maybe I could think of some. Most people that had some kind of side <clears throat> gig going on, the, the the military was their side gig too. You know, yeah. like they weren't yeah, just in the too. game. Yeah, I know. They, 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 like yeah, like no, do do your job. Yeah, do it well. Yeah, that doesn't go with if you're working for some corporation, then you can pull it off, right? You can have, you can do something on the side. Depends on the job, but I don't know. It seems like if you're the boss of, of let's say you had a, a team, right? Yeah. And they were like, you know, they're, you know, productivity and all, you know, all this stuff. And then you find out one team member is basically splitting his time, you know, I don't know, doing something else. It's kind of like, whoa, well, well, we're all if, over here trying to, you if know. it's interfering, but most yeah. jobs aren't 24 hours a day. Yeah, it's not really even true. Yeah. You know what? I think you can pull it off. You can pull it off way easier in any other job than in the military. Yeah. You can have something going on on the side, yeah. Because the military is the the job where it's like yeah, twenty four hours a day. Yeah. Are you th- are you saying yeah, in a combat scenario? Or? No, I'm talking about just in general. You know, just in general. And I shouldn't say that. You know, there's a lot of jobs when I work with companies. There's people that are they're doing twenty four hours a day. They're in the game. Yeah. So if you're in one of those kind of jobs, don't get a side job. <laughs> and aren't there like <laughs> or set jobs? yourself up properly that you can do it. It's hard yeah. to pull off, man. It's hard to pull off. But aren't there jobs in the military that are that are pretty mellow? There you are. Know, where there you are. can come in, yeah, you can they, clock yeah, in, right. and yeah. you know. There are. There so are. I guess, kind of I guess if you're doing that, maybe you can do it. Yeah, you're thinking of you. Like you're Yeah, but I'm also thinking about like guys and guys in the SEAL teams. Yeah, that's what the I mean. guys in the SEAL teams that had some kind of side hustle going on were generally they, they weren't fully in the game, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Maybe there's some guys that I didn't even know about yeah. that did it. Yeah. But most people, like, hey, if you're out buying houses and flipping houses, well, you know, you can kind of do that when you're in the military because yeah. you're doing some hard work on the weekends and that's cool. Yeah, get, yeah. get a little rental property going. Hey, right on. Yeah, I did sense. that. 
Yeah, but I know. You guys it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it literally interfered zero. Yeah. With my primary job, which was getting after. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right, back to the book. Many have been seen to fight even when wounded since the organization in general, proud of its past brave engagements, considers that any soldier who has shown the least cowardice in action affronts it. I like that. So you have that attitude. You have that, that culture inside your organization. It's a real thing. We don't back down. We keep fighting hard. That's what we do. All right, now he talks a little bit about projects of campaign. One should know one's enemies, their alliances, their resources, and the nature of their country in order to plan a campaign. One should know what to expect of one's friends, what resources one has oneself, and see the future effects to determine what one has to fear or hope from political maneuvers. We've heard this over and over again. Understand your enemy. Back to the book, extravagant projects of campaign are worthless. I call extravagant those which require you to make penetrations or those which reduce you to a too rigid defense. Penetrations are worthless because in pushing too far into the enemy's country, you weaken yourself. Your communications become very difficult to maintain on account of their length, and in order to make assured conquests, it is necessary always to proceed within the rules. And here's the rules. To advance, establish yourself solidly. To advance again, to establish yourself the same. And always to prepare to have within your reach of your army, your resources and your requirements. So there he's saying, make sure you're ready. And if you got to extend yourself, don't extend yourself too far. That's, that's what he's saying. That's, that's very good advice. Now he also says this, now, so that's going on the offense. Now there's a dichotomy here, which we talk about dichotomy a lot. <laughs> There's a dichotomy here because he's saying, hey, look, you got to be careful going on super, super far distant offense and extending yourself too far. But then he says this back to the book. Projects of absolute defensive are not practicable because while wishing to close yourself in strong camps, the enemy will envelop you, deprive you of your sustenance from the rear and oblige you to lose ground while disheartening your troops. So while you're digging in, guess what? The enemy's going to maneuver on you and cut and cut you off. Now back to the book. I prefer to this conduct of the offensive with the hazard of losing the battle since this will not be more fatal than your retreat and your timid defensive. So he's saying there, he'd rather be aggressive, be lean towards being more aggressive than lean towards being more defensive. And he, and he says why? In the one... You lose ground by withdrawing and soldiers by desertion and you have no hope. So if you go on the defense, that's what happens. You lose ground, you lose soldiers, and you have no hope. Straight up. Now on the offense, he says, in the other, you do not risk more. And if you are fortunate, you can hope for the most brilliant success. Mm. What is he saying there? Attack. That's what he's saying. I agree with that. Again, there's a dichotomy there because he's saying attack, but the, the previous paragraph he's saying don't overextend yourself. Mm-hmm. This is why we're writing a book called The Dichotomy of Leadership because mm-hmm. you have to find that balance. All right. 
back to the book I am now coming to what I call the defensive which turns into the offensive the greatest secret of war and the masterpiece of a skillful general is to starve his enemy hunger exhausts men more surely than courage and you will succeed with less risk than by fighting but since it is very rare that a war is ended by the capture of a depot and matters are only decided by great battles it is necessary to employ all these means to attain this object starving your enemy you know what I was thinking interestingly you know what I was thinking about when that popped into my mind is when you're when you're dealing with relationships mm-hmm. one of the best ways to like win in a relationship scenario mm-hmm. is you starve the other person of attention what do you mean win so uh, to to yeah to win so like when you, what's the worst thing you can do to your kid when your kid is doing something bad give it attention yeah, Water the worst it. thing you can do is yeah, is give it attention. The best yeah. thing you can do is starve it of attention. Yeah. I just thought that was kind interesting. of interesting. And and another thing is like in jujitsu, you're you starve the person of energy, right? You you make them use their energy, and once they're out of energy, they're done. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess it depends on what you mean by win the relationship. Yeah, I guess I didn't really phrase that correctly, mm-hmm. but I was thinking of what we generally do. Let me clarify that. I think I just figured it out a little bit. What we generally do is if we've got a problem in a relationship, what do we do? We go to fight it. Mm-hmm. We go to war. Mm-hmm. The better thing may be just to starve, starve it a little bit. How do you starve it? Starve it from attention, right? Mm-hmm. Well, like we talked about, I think it was last week, that someone asked, like, how do you get vengeance? And I was like, hey, right, the right. best thing, the best vengeance to give yes. is starve them of attention. Yeah, 100%. Don't even give it to them. Yeah. You're going to, that's the win. Yeah. So I guess it's not good to put that in perspective with your kids, right? right? Or that relationship. not a good thing. Any battle scenario in a relationship, sure. I get, yeah, I think, I think. You yeah. Right. And you could definitely go too far with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, no, I'm not saying starve. I guess if you're, if you're talking about, I guess more than anything else, I'm not even saying it's good or bad. I'm saying it's something to be aware of that you can use attention yeah, as yeah, a tool yeah. to help you in in your engagements, in relationships, yeah. in business, in life, in family, whatever. You can use that attention as a tool. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I think that's put more appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. in a don't la- pay attention to your kids. <laughs> yeah, because when you say relationship, you automatically assume wife, kids. Girlfriend, boyfriend, oh, kind of thing. I don't automatically assume that. Yeah, well, it's what I, it I sounds just, like. Yeah, okay. Any any battle situation where like, yeah, any yeah, combative scenario. Yeah, combative scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it's another tool. I'm glad you. <laughs> it's you, a good one. Too, yeah, by the way, it's a good one. It is a good one. All right, here he talks about, and and by the way, obviously I'm cutting out big chunks. And what's interesting is he talks about he for each one of these little principles that he talks about he actually goes through specific historical battles that happened and how they unfolded but if you want to read those you should get the book but I wanted to get through all the principles so here we go it's kind of skipping the the uh, the battles and his his battles they're not they're not like these first-person kind of accounts that are really moving they're more just um, 
historical perspective. Hey, here's and he wasn't even at all all, all of them. You know, mm. some of he's saying this is what happened in this place and this is what happened in this other place. Mm. All right, he's talking here about rest camps. The duty of the general in these sort of camps is to restore his army and personally to oversee order and discipline. The cavalry and infantry should be visited often and examined to determine if the first is well nourished and if these two corps are complete. So take care of your people. Likewise, the troops should be exercised frequently, cavalry as well as infantry, and the general should be should often be present to praise the ones, to criticize the others, and to see with his own eyes that the orders which are found in my institution military are observed exactly. The camp guards should be visited to see if they are vigilant, if the officer is attentive, or if he is negligent, to be extremely strict so that the mounted sentries will not allow anyone to enter the camp without examining and announcing him and to prevent desertion by all means that I have indicated previously. He talks about one of the problems they have is people deserting, and he goes into how do you stop people from deserting. And it's That's what he's referring to there, things like keeping everyone busy, making sure that they're well-fed. He talks about those kind of things, so that's what he's referring to. Got to exercise them frequently. Got to keep them busy. Sure. <laughs> and you have to inspect. You have to get eyes on. He says, with your own eyes. So when you're the leader, you just can't throw that order out there and expect it's all going to happen the way you expected it to. Not going to happen. You got to go inspect it with your own eyes. Back to the book. Knowledge, oh, before I go back to the book, he's going to talk about how important it is to understand the battlefield and the terrain. Here we go. Knowledge of the country is to a general what a rifle is to an infantryman and what the rules of arithmetic are to a geometrician. If he does not know the country, he will do nothing but make gross mistakes. Without this, without this knowledge, his projects, be them otherwise admirable, become ridiculous and often impracticable. Therefore, study the country where you are going to act. When it is desired to apply oneself to this essential part of war, the most detailed and exact maps of the country that can be found are taken and examined and re-examined frequently. If it is not in time of war, the places are visited, camps are chosen, roads are examined, the mayors of the villages, the butchers and the farmers are talked to, one becomes familiar with the footpaths and the depth of the wood, their nature and the depth of the rivers, their practicable marshes and those which are not. And one observes in this study to distinguish carefully between the conditions of the marshes and the streams in the different seasons of the year. It cannot be said that a stream is impracticable in the month of August because it had been in the month of April. The road is chosen to be taken on such and such a march, the number of columns in which the march can be made, and all the strong camping places found on the route are examined to see if they can be used. Gather your intel. <laughs> Gather your intel. This is critical on the battlefield and my first deployment to Iraq, I didn't do this as much as I, sh as I should have because we'd be going to a place for the first time and we'd go there, we'd get a quick kind of information, intelligence would come in and we'd go, okay, we're gonna we find out where this guy is and we'd do a quick map study. 
you know, we do a map study, but it wasn't as thorough as as when we were in Ramadi for six straight months and you actually just knew where you were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk, and, and I, somebody just hit me up on Twitter talking about this, but there was a guy from the first, the 506, the company commander, and he was awesome, and he videoed, he had video cameras in his Humvees, mm-hmm. and so when he's out driving around Ramadi, he would record it, and then when he got back, he'd just watch it over and over again, so mm-hmm. he knew every little detail. Yeah. And that's what you wanna do. That It's so important to know where you are. Yeah. And to understand the terrain. Okay, now we're gonna talk about something. It's it's a it's a French word, and I don't speak French, by the way. <laughs> I dig it. I looked it up, but I'm still gonna murder it. All right, I apologize. Let's hear it. Coup. It looks like coupe d'oil, but the way you actually say it is coudea. Okay, so coudea, and it's actually used quite a bit. So I had to like run a couple rehearsals on it. How do you spell it? C O U P, which which I knew that one right. Coup. Sure. Right, there's a coup. And then D apostrophe O E I L. Kudeya. Hmm. And sometimes they say that like coude, but I like sure. that some people put a little uh on the end of it. I like that because it yeah. made it a little bit more distinct. Sure. So that's what I'm doing. Okay. And what that means, it 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 translates directly, I believe, to stroke of the eye, and what it means is like a quick glance. Oh okay. Yeah. So you just take a quick glance at something and you understand it. Think about the power of this. Mm-hmm. The coup d'oeil of a general is the talent which great men have of conceiving in a moment all the advantages of the terrain and the use that they can make of it with their army. When you are accustomed to the size of your army, you will soon you soon form your coup d'oeil with reference to it. And habit teaches you the ground that you can occupy with a certain number of troops. So what he's saying there is you gotta practice. You gotta practice, you gotta practice, 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 and that's well, that's what makes you good at it. Mm-hmm. You start to be able to size things up, right? Mm-hmm. You start to look at situations, and the more you get put in those situations, the better you can size them up. Think about when you first started as a bouncer, mm-hmm. right? When you first started as a bouncer, and you'd look at something and you might think, oh, my, what's this guy gonna do? And then a year, how long were you a bouncer for? Seven years. Okay, so by like the sixth year, you're looking <laughs> yeah. at a situation like, okay, I can see that guy's good. I got to get that guy out of here. Yeah. You you just get better at your job. Yeah, your your coup de yeah. your way of just looking at gets things and assessing sharp. them gets sharper. Yep, that's very important. Sure, <laughs> it is very important. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, back to the book, the coup de is of great importance on two occasions. The first is when you encounter the enemy on your march and are obliged to choose ground on which to fight instantly. As I have remarked, with a single square mile, a hundred different orders of battle can be formed. This is why you rehearse it. This is also why you think. You think about when you're patrolling, you're looking around at the terrain. And you're going, okay, if we get contacted from over there, we can go in this direction. If we get contacted from over there, we can get covered behind this this berm or b- go behind this building. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about that, even when you go into, you know, you, you, know, you go into a restaurant and you're like, okay, where are the exits? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you're doing. Where are the exits? If someone comes in the front, here's what I'm going to do. If someone comes in the back, here's what I'm going to do. You just do a quick assessment. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Little coup d'oeil. The clever general perceives the advantages of terrain instantly. He gains advantage from the slightest hillock, from a tiny marsh. He advances or he advances or withdraws a wing to gain superiority. He strengthens either his left or his right. 
moves ahead to the or to the rear and profits from the merest bagatelles. Had to look that word up, by the way. Mm-hmm. What is it? Bagatelles. Bagatelles. It's something of little value. Mm. So what he's saying is, if you're mm-hmm. good, you look at even like a little bagatelle, just something that's kind of meaningless, and you can take advantage of it. Yeah. Hmm. If you think about in jujitsu, when a guy, if you're good at jujitsu and a guy moves his arm just a little bit, like mm-hmm. across, I would say like across the center of their chest. Yes. If they do that, uh-huh. they, that's only an inch, right? Yeah. To be like, here I'm okay, here I'm not okay. Yeah. When you're good, you can take advantage of that. That's a good example, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Throw a little jujitsu at Echo. It'll make you happy. It makes me happy, too. <laughs> Back to the book. The, the kudaya is required of the general when the enemy is found in position and must be attacked. Whoever has the best kudaya will perceive at first glance the weak spot of the enemy and attack him there. The latter is a result of experience. And you can only get experience through, through two things, training or actual experience. Mm-hmm. Talked about that at the muster. Yes. Like if you want to be good, you can get good through experience mm-hmm. or you can get good through training. Now there's some things that only experience will give you, yeah. but you can really make up a lot of ground just from training. Yeah. Like how you say good, like realistic training. Oh, it's right? got to be That's realistic. The key. Yeah. 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 That's what separates the old martial arts yes. from the new martial arts. Yes, sir, it does. <laughs> is the experience was close. The experience didn't used to be close to a real fight. Oh, the training, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The old training experience didn't wasn't close to a real fight. Yes, it was like kata. And remember those old things where it's like, well, when I hit you here, it's going to cause this reaction one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's like part of the practice. Part you know, of the, the practice. guy has to yeah, bend you over. Have, you know, hey, let he me teach them. you the reactions that you will have. Yeah. That's total garbage. Yeah, yeah. and it's actually, total garbage. that's a good way to kind of evaluate. Good, a good way to evaluate when someone's like, "Okay, this is how you deal with this attacker, or whatever situation," and then they demonstrate it, and then it takes a big involvement, like big involvement from the the attacker yeah, person, yeah. you know, in the demonstration. It's like, whoa, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. that that might not happen. That you know, might kind not of thing. happen. I remember there was people teaching me that if you hit someone in the neck with like a karate chop straight up, they were, they were teaching me this. Karate if chop. you hit someone in the neck, it's going to knock them out. That's yeah. what they were saying. And that was part of the like, That was part of the whole thing. <laughs> hey, <laughs> if you get them here, boom, you hit them in the neck. Mm-hmm. And I was young. And I didn't even know jujitsu at the time, but I've been in a lot of fights when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, we were in the streets, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "I don't think that's actually going to work." Yeah. Do it to me, <laughs> and the dude's karate chopping me in the neck, yeah. and it didn't. It didn't have any. It didn't do anything. I mean, yeah. it, does it give you a little flash? I mean, it gives you a little, like a little tiny. But right. he's trying to knock me out now because I'm calling him out, right? So right. he's giving it so all he's, he's going got. For it. Yeah. Oh dang. Yep. yep. Yeah. So they're debunked. Yeah. Debunked real quick. You know those ones where they, wait, what was it in the front here? Yeah, no, it was right, 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 it's like the right, side, like, like the, the right side of the neck, man. Side of the neck. That's going to knock you out, he told me. Yeah, you know those ones where, uh, it could be the same thing, where they hit, they do it, it's like a karate chop or something, and they hit you, but it's a little bit in the front of your neck. Uh-huh. And I always well, see it, I've never seen really. it in real know. life. Well, they do it, and they hit you right there, and the guy knocks out. That's not true, bro. It's, it's so that doesn't <laughs> it's work. so not true. I, I, yeah, okay. I've never seen it in real Everyone's life. about Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's post something that's like fake martial yeah, arts yeah. and 
and those are slapstick he, though. Yeah, I know, but he's like, I could literally post these all day long because there's so many of them out there. <laughs> I know, bro. And they're kind of funny. Too. Yeah. It's weird though when you start talking about how it, when jujitsu first came around and people had been training in, you know, cons whatever traditional martial art for twenty years. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like a white belt or a blue belt in jiu-jitsu would come and wrap them up. Now, I will say this. If I trained whatever, some traditional martial art, and it's 1986, and you and I get in a fight, yeah, and, and you I don't, don't know anything, anything yeah. yeah, you're going to be in trouble. Because oh, yeah. I at least know how to throw a punch. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Well, I mean, there's advantages to hitting mitts, you know, like hitting oh, for sure. because it's like yeah, 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 you, you yeah, throw yeah. a punch, you, yeah. you know how it feels to land a punch, that spatial They're kind of awareness. Accurate. Yeah, yeah. Do you have, you develop, learn how to develop power. Oh, well, yeah. if we, well, if we're talking about boxing, that's a whole different story because that's a real martial art. And if you oh, watch yeah. people train, you're going to get yeah. knocked out sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but even like a karate situation, like a guy who can who kick a bag, like that guy yeah. does know, how, guy to knows how to you, kick you, by the way. The, but, and there's some forms of karate. What is it? Um. Yeah, there's some forms of karate that are legit, and they they go, get after it. That's what GSP's uh, background was originally in. Oh, Kyoshi, yeah, Kyoshi, yeah, yeah, yeah Kyoshi, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is rough. Man. Oh, it's rough. Yeah. yeah, no head strikes though. No head strikes, which but is kind of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, hey, I'm gonna grab the gi, grab your gi, and kick the crap out of your legs right yeah, now. Yeah, and punch you in the yeah, yeah punch you in the chest. That's tough though, man. Yeah, no, it's 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 well, let's say this. It's a little bit closer to real, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's a little bit closer to real. That's why it has some effectiveness. Yeah. The more closer you are to real, the more effective something is. And that's the way it goes. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, speaking of training, back to the book. It is on this exact knowledge of the terrain that has regulated the dispositions of the troops and the order of battle of the army. So he's, again, he's still talking about being able to look quickly and assess how you're going to set up your troops on the terrain. Our modern formations for combat, for the most part, are defective because they cast all in the same mold. So I really like this part. He's saying, look, it's not always the same. The, what we do, what we say right now is, hey, everyone lines up here. Mm-hmm. Reality is that doesn't work. Mm. We can't do that. If an army is really to be camped according to the rules of war, it is essential that each arm should be placed in a locality where it can act. That means you gotta have flexibility in what you're doing. Mm. That's what it means. Now he talks about detachments. How and why they should be made. There is an ancient rule of war that cannot be repeated often enough. Hold your forces together, make no detachments, and when you want to fight the enemy, reassemble all your forces and seize every advantage to make sure of your success. This rule is so certain that most of the generals who have neglected it have been punished promptly. So he's saying don't separate your forces. And we I've talked about this before because that's what I believed. Are there times where you separate your forces? Yes, there are. You have to be prudent. You have to be smart. And he, he, well, here's the dichotomy. He says the same thing. The subject of detachments is extremely delicate. None should be made, except for good reasons, (laughs) right? None should be made, except for good reasons. If you're acting offensively in open enemy country and are only master of some strong point. So, 
again, this is something I talk about all the time. Once you've got your forces separated on the battlefield, it can get problematic very, very quickly. So keep your forces consolidated as much as you can. How does that translate into the business world? Well, be careful when you start breaking off little chunks of your company to go and explore new territory because when you break off chunks, you get a little bit weaker. So don't do that. When you do it, I'm not saying don't do it. He's not saying don't do it. When you do it, understand the risks that are being taken. That's what you have to do. Yeah, and it, and that's good. It is funny, like you, you kind of how you said that, where it's like no, you know, basically the idea that it's like this is the hard and fast rule, but yeah, you yeah. know, kind of thing. Yeah, that is a good way to put it because if you don't say it like that or you don't present it like that, it kind of in a way makes you think. Oh, well, I can bend that rule then, you know, and it kind of, it, it's like too, the people might be too caval- cavalier about the whole exactly. thing, about making the exception, yeah. you know? Yeah, 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 you're right. So you I, guys, got a, I got a question for you. In How does this apply to jujitsu? <clears throat> like what, a specific move? Okay, so actually I'll use your example, which has stuck with me from the first time you said it, by the way, that, that don't don't put your elbow oh, across your midline yeah, of your body. Right? Nail this. I, yeah. like, I like where you're going. Like <laughs> so, Charles in the game. You're like, okay. And actually you gave an example of this, but okay. So the, you, uh, you should never put your arm across your chest. You should never do it. Every once in a while. And yeah. I, I will almost say not even every once in a while. I'll just say there is an exception yeah. where, you yeah. know, and I think you had a, a situation with Dean yeah, yeah. where you were like, Dean, he Dean, messed you up, but yeah. you thought about it later. Or no, something. no. He told me later. Oh, He's okay. like, oh, here you have to do something that I've told you never to do here. You have to do it. Yeah. And it's from the mount. It's from you turn so far that you, that there's an escape mm. where I was going to, when I was going to talk about this. <coughs> Well, the way this applies to jiu-jitsu, this specifically, you're talking about something else that does apply to jiu-jitsu. This applies to jiu-jitsu. Picture this. You're, you're a one body, right? Mm. When you're doing jiu-jitsu, it is highly advantageous to keep your arms and your legs close to your body, especially your arms, right? You don't yes. stick your arm out, right? Yeah. What happens when you stick your arm out? Yeah, it it's out there out. by itself and it gets taken over. It's arm locked. <laughs> it does get taken over, yeah. So, so you don't do that. You, ke- you keep your arms in close to your body and that's where you... Uh, Fabio, Fabio Santos, he used to say, make like your arms come out of your belly. Oh, yeah, Like yeah. you don't even have shoulders. Upper like your, arm, your yeah. elbows just come out of your belly. That's how you should keep your arms. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always obeyed that rule. Except there are times when, yes, you got to reach out and you got to make another move happen. Mm-hmm. So as much as you can, you keep your forces consolidated as a body, as a human. Yeah. Occasionally, you got to step them out. Yeah. So. But yeah, if you, when you put it like that, it's it's pretty clear that it's like hey this isn't like some ambiguous rule that's that's the rule keep keep your arms in that's the rule and then remember the golden child you ever watched the golden child I don't okay know Eddie what Murphy that is. It's, it's called the golden child this old school eighties movie but he was like hey stay on the path he was like hey you got to walk on these like stumps in the dark mm-hmm. and get this glass of water this, this Buddha thing I think and he's like hey stay on the path you got to stay on the path. That's it. That's the, that's the only advice I can give you. I think there's something else, but that was it. So he stays on the path, right? And there's this weird rope bridge. And he, right as he gets off the rope bridge, <laughs> bursts into flames. And he's like, hey, I thought you told me to stay on the path. And he said, yes, but you got to know when to break the rules. There you that's go. That's it, right? Epic lessons learned so, from Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, Golden Child. It's true, bro. It's true. All right. So uh, no problem. We can come at people from different angles. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone that's listening to the podcast who's like, oh, yeah, 
Oh, now uh, I get it. It's true. <laughs> it's so, true. so whoever you are out there, Echo Charles has got your yeah, back. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a great section. This is a great section. The talents that a general must have. Mm. And then it talks about spies and ruses and stratagems of war. But here we go. Talents that a general must have. A perfect general, like Plato's Republic, is a figment of the imagination. Either would be admirable, but is not characteristic of human nature to produce beings exempt from human weakness and defects. The finest medallions have a reverse side. Dang. I like that. So, yeah, there's no such thing as a perfect leader. Everyone has weaknesses. And... But then he says the finest medallions have a reverse side. And I don't know if you remember me saying this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Oftentimes, people's biggest strength is also their biggest weakness, mm. right? So if you got a guy that's super aggressive and that's what makes him such a good for a certain job, mm. they also can be too aggressive. Yeah. And it ends. So there's a bunch of examples like that. Mm-hmm. But the finest medallions have a reverse side. Even if you think about what your personal best quality is, like you got to watch out because yeah. it can be out of balance yeah. if, you, if you let it go too far. Hmm. Now he says this, but in spite of this awareness of our per- imperfection, it is not less necessary to consider all the different talents that are needed by an accomplished general. These are the models that one attempts to imitate and which one would not try to approach if they were not presented to us. So he's like, hey, look, even though we can't be perfect, we should still look and see what perfect is so that we can at least try and get there. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. Here we go. It is essential that a general should dissemble while appearing to be occupied. So what he's saying is you got to detach a little bit. Working with the mind and working with the body and here he goes into a good list right here ceaselessly suspicious While affecting tranquility So you act like you're calm, but you should constantly be suspicious of what is happening Here's a solid one saving of the blood of his soldiers and not squandering it except for the most important interests Take care of your people. Informed of everything. That makes sense. Always on the lookout to deceive the enemy and careful not to be deceived himself. Makes sense. In a word, he should be more than industrious, active, and indefatigable. Not forgetting one thing to execute another. And above all, not despising those sorts of little details which pertain to great projects. So you got to be more than just like hardworking. <laughs> you got to be more than active. And he goes into a little clarity around some of these. Here we go back to the book. The dissimulation of the general consists of the important art of hiding his thoughts. Now, this is, this is one of those things where people start to freak out a little bit because cause these days everyone throws around the transparency word, right? <laughs> everyone should be transparent. Sure. It's, yeah. it's like, actually, no, you, you shouldn't yeah. be transparent all the time. 
Yeah. And in fact, you know, that's why I talk about controlling your emotions all the time. And that's why it's so powerful. If 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 you're getting mad at someone and you show them that you're getting mad, yeah. well, then you're giving away your hand, and now they're going to get mad at you, and it's just a problem. Yeah. So you need to you need to not do that. You need to not be transparent. Yeah. And this he goes into brilliant explanations as to why you can't just be transparent. Hiding you need to be hiding his thoughts. Okay. He should be constantly on the stage and should appear most tranquil, most tranquil when he is most occupied. For the whole army speculates on his looks, on his gestures, and on his mood. So when you're walking around and you're panicking, guess what? Mm. Everyone on the team is looking at you going, what's going on? Why is the boss panicking? Yeah. If he is seen to be more thoughtful than customary... The officers will believe he is incubating some project of consequence. If his manner is uneasy, they believe that affairs are going badly and they often imagine worse than the truth. You gotta stay calm. You gotta put on you gotta put on the little mask over your little emotions. And he says the these suppositions become the rumors of the army and this army gossip is certain to pass over to the enemy's camp. It is necessary, therefore, that the personal conduct of the general should be so well-reasoned that his dissimulation will be so profound that no one can ever penetrate it. If he fears that he cannot master his expression, so no one should ever know what you're thinking, unless you want him to know that, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you want to give it to him, because I say this all the time, you can't just be without emotions. Yeah. You can't if you, if if you come to me and you're all mad. I just can't be like, calm down. No, I can't do that. Yeah, I need robotic. to. I need. Yeah, I need to give you some of that. Yeah. So I'm not saying never be emotional, but you better control them. They better be the emotions you want to show. Yeah. yeah. And then he says this. This is funny. Talking about the uh, the general. If he fears that he cannot master his expression, either he can pretend to be ill, or he should make an excuse of some personal trouble to explain his appearance to the public. <laughs> You know, yeah, I, that's pretty funny. Actually, yeah, that's actually uh, when you think about it, like a lot of us kind of do that, like, uh, like uh, you know, oh, I'm, I'm just tired or something like that. You know, like if you, like if a girl's crying or something or something like this. But, oh no, I just had something in my eye. It's kind of the same thing, oh, you know. They're like, oh, I'm it's just getting dusty in here. Yeah, there's something else wrong with me that's understandable. You know, it's not me crying or nothing. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna bring up an excuse, but. That's different, you know. When, you An know, excuse for your emotions. Yeah, you know when you're doing jujitsu with someone and they're like, "Yeah, you know, I just got myself." Yeah. <laughs> they're sure. just like, "Yeah, no, that's all you hear, huh?" Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah, excuse, exactly. excuse, but, but, excuse, but, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's interesting advice. That shows you how important it is. <clears throat> you know, if you're if you're willing to do, like skip work because you don't want people to see you're freaking out, I don't recommend that. Right. But hey, hey, I can't come in today. I'm sick. Yeah. I think the opposite actually happens. Hungover. Yeah, well, definitely. That's what they'll that. say if they're no, hungover. You know what? Uh, people in the teams, I would say people do the opposite and they have like problems at home. It's so like calling and saying, like, hey, I can't make it. Say, what they're really doing is like crying because <laughs> they're in a big scrap with their old lady. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this is This is brilliant right here. Above all, when he has received some bad news, he should treat it as a trifle and show the number of resources which he has to retrieve it. 
basically good. That's that's saying good. When somebody when you have when you receive some bad news, oh good. Bring it. Mm-hmm. That's he saying the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. While never despising his enemy, in the bottom of his heart, he should never speak of him except with scorn and com- and compare carefully the advantages of our troops over the others. Mm-hmm. So he, he's actually saying, look, he's doing the opposite. He, he's like, I don't even hate my enemy, but I'll never let anyone know that I don't completely despise them. Right, right. That's pretty funny. This is good. If some detachment is unfortunate in the war, he should examine the cause. And after having determined the reason for the fault, he should instruct his officers concerning it. In this fashion, a few minor misfortunes will never discourage the troops, and they will always preserve the feeling of confidence in their ability. So when something goes wrong, you don't freak out. You just look, okay, well, let's take a look at what went wrong there, and then we'll fix it, and then it won't be a problem anymore. That's how you handle a problem when someone doesn't do well. Mm. Back to the book. Secrecy is so necessary for a general that the ancients have even said that there was not a human being able to hold his tongue. But here's the reason for that. If you form the finest plans in the world but divulge them, your enemy will learn about them, and then it will be very easy for him to parry them. The general plan of the campaign should be communicated at most to the officer responsible for supplies and the rest of the details should not be told to officers except when the time has come to execute them. When there are generals detached and you must write to them, the letter should be completely in code. If your enemy intercepts one, you will not have betrayed yourself. This is clearly something that applies to that type of warfare back in the day, mm-hmm. but it applies to life as well. I mean, when you open your mouth, yeah, yeah, you might as well just you might as well just t- put it on Twitter, yeah, because everyone's gonna know about it. Yeah, yeah, the kind where, and they always say it before they say something of consequence. They'll say, "Hey, don't tell anyone this, but hey, I'm gonna do this, or I feel this, or whatever." And then, sure enough, they go. And it's the same thing. Hey, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then, yeah, sure enough, this bad, thing bad, just bad, 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 bad. completely just got told. Yeah. I'm not supposed to tell you this. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Because you don't say anything. everybody. Yeah. There was an old hardcore band back in the day. I think it was. Sure. It was I think it was Wrecking Crew mm-hmm. from Boston, and they used to have the T-shirts, yeah. just big letters on the T-shirts on the back. Trust no one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I had yeah. one. Yeah, legit. That actually sounds familiar. Like I might have seen a shirt like that before. I don't know if you saw that shirt. Maybe other people made it because they probably there was probably like twelve of those shirts back then. I don't know. It's, it's not something Echo Charles would have seen on the well, island of Kauai yeah. back in '88. <laughs> no, probably not. Loose lips sink ships. Right. That's, real. That's the deal. Uh, there you go. Right. See, so we do say that. You are correct. Sure. Back to the book. It is absolutely necessary to change your methods often and to imagine new decoys. If you always act in the same manner, you will soon be interpreted, for you are surrounded with 50,000 curious who want to know everything that you think and how you are going to lead them. That's pretty cool. It's, it's interesting. What, what's kind of interesting about that is he's not even talking about the enemy. He's talking about your own people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to think of new things. Um. And this is clearly, this is something I always try to explain people in jiu-jitsu is the, the thing that you're going for is not going to work. Mm. You, you have to use the, you have to use, create new decoys. You have to try new things or else you're not going to catch people. Yeah. It's the way it works. 
Now here we get, Nick, I'm, I'm glad that I'm, Leif and I just got done writing a book called The Dichotomy of Leadership because here we go. The commander should practice kindness and severity. <laughs> should appear friendly to soldiers. Speak to them on the march. Visit them while they are cooking. Ask them if they are well cared for and alleviate their needs if they have any. Officers without experience in war should be treated kindly. Their good actions should be praised. Small requests should be granted them and they should not be treated in a manner, in an overbearing manner. Manner. So there you go. It's like, that's all good, right? Mm-hmm. That's the kindness part. Yeah. Which we're down with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, again, that's why when I talked about why people would listen to this guy, one of the reasons, because he took care of his people. Yeah. He was out there seeing what problems they had. How can we get those problems fixed? And then he says, but severity is maintained about everything regarding the service. The negligent officer is punished. The man who answers back is made to feel your severity by being reprimanded with authoritative air that superiority gives. Pillaging or argumentative soldiers or those who, whose obedience is not immediate, immediate should be punished. So there you go. Dichotomy. You got to hold the line, but at the same time, don't hold that line so tight that it snaps, which you can do. The general can even discuss the war with some of his core commanders who are the most intelligent and permit them to express their sentiments freely in conversation. So when I was talking about how he was just, everyone listen to me, blind obedience is what I require. Here he's saying, no, actually listen to your people. If you find some good things among what they say, you should not remark about it then, but make use of it. When this has been done, you should speak about it in the presence of many others. It was so-and-so who had this idea. Praise him for it. This modesty will gain the general, the friendship of good-thinking men, and he will more easily find persons who will speak their sentiments sincerely to him. Boom. So that thing, that macho thing in the beginning was not true. Mm. This is what's true. Yeah. You want to you wanna have... He's he's the the reason that he's doing this is because he wants people to speak their mind to him. That's the reason why he's doing this. Think about that. Yeah. It's also it's also interesting that because I I say this you ever heard me talk about how like it's whenever someone's right and I'm wrong I'm happy because if you're right and I'm wrong I can be like yeah man Echo that's really you know, good job man that's yeah. you really pointed that out and it, and it it shows you uh-huh. that I'm humble. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just like, oh, dude, Jocko thinks he's right all the time. No, no, Echo, man, you're right. I'm wrong. That's a good job. Hey, appreciate you uh, straightening me out on that, right? Yes, you are right, actually. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's what he's saying, is it actually gives you the opportunity to be modest and to be humble. Yeah. Because sometimes it can be hard when you're right all the time. Yeah. (laughs) And you're used to that feeling and... Yeah, yeah. And the reason that I think is kind of funny because I can imagine or I can kind of remember a few times where you're like yeah yeah you are correct you are correct and you'll say that you are correct yeah and be like i'm kind of happy when you're right yeah like and that's what i feel i feel <laughs> like yeah i sort of talk Jocko a little something just now it's small small but it's there yeah. it's something and now it's like all right that's well that's that's nothing. one of the one of the tactics i guess yeah you know? but it still works so Here's i guess my overhead is that am i over here just manipulating you well <laughs> Put it this way, I'm glad to be here. You know, so and well, that let me helps. answer that question for you. And we've talked about this before. 
if if the reason I was doing it was so that like I could get something out of you right. that would benefit me and not Believe, benefit and hurt yeah. you, then yeah, it'd be manipulation. But if yeah. it's just like, hey, we're just trying to build, we're just trying to make something happen. Yeah. Then yeah. Then it's all good, in yeah. my opinion. Kind of gives me room to talk to, which is empowering. You know, okay, sure. Hey, I abuse it from time to time. I understand. But there was, there was. Would you say the last podcast was an example of that? Abuse. It was bordering on abuse. I, oh, I brushed. No, I, I brushed I think it was against over the abuse. Line. Over the line. <laughs> <laughs> over the line. No, was it the body body, body moving through space? I don't space know what part? it was. Bro, I drank some of that discipline, and <laughs> I was on that white tea. And listen to this. I'm just saying. You know what you need to do right now. What? Own it. Yeah. Don't blame the white tea. <laughs> Don't blame the discipline that I got your brain firing correctly. I think you are correct. People are gonna sir. cut you off. They're gonna be like, "Don't give them anymore." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told you I've been pounding that stuff. The can one. Yeah. All right. Well, it's tasty. Noted. Assimilated. 100%. Assimilated. Back to the book. The principal task of the general is mental. Large projects and major arrangements. But since the best dispositions become useless if they are not executed, it is essential that the general should be industrious to see whether his orders are executed or not. Again, just because you say, go make this happen, doesn't mean it's going to happen. You got to get out there and make sure it happens. Moving on. Here's a, here's a line you can just, you can just, you can just print this up. Skepticism is the mother of security. Hmm. That's legit. Even though only fools trust their enemies, prudent persons never do. The general is the principal sentinel of his army. Think about that. The general is the principal sentinel of the army. The guy that's the guy that's keeping everyone safe is the general. He's the primary watchstander for hmm. everyone. He should always be careful of its preservation and that it is never exposed to misfortune. One falls into a feeling of security after battles, when one is drunk with success, and when one believes the enemy completely disheartened. So we all know that. Mm-hmm. You know when that happens? You know what Jeff Higgs told me? If mm-hmm. you tap a guy out, like if, it's, if you have someone that like legit you have, you have battles with on the map, mm-hmm. and you tap them out, mm-hmm. you, st- you need to step it up. What because right after they're gonna they're step coming, it up? It. You're yeah. all relaxed. You're all celebrating your victory. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Step it up. They're coming hard. Yeah. You do that to me all the time. Yes, sir. I try to. <laughs> I try to. You much. always get crazy. <laughs> hey, back to that. Um, the one you were saying before this about you know how like you let them talk or whatever. Yeah. Um, the opposite of that. Is if if you know, let's say one of your subordinates or whoever like says something to you, and then you respond with the opposite of what you do, with this either tone or words that basically say, "Oh, I already knew that," you know, yeah. "I already knew that." Like yeah. you don't have to tell me, kind of thing. I already knew that. People will do that, even just on a real small, even on a social level, sometimes, and it does make you not want to talk to them that much. Yeah, for sure. It the um the idea of saying. I already knew that. Yeah, is not good. Yeah, that's an extreme that, obvious it, case. But, but what's even funny a about tone that is, can say that. Yeah, yeah, a tone can say it. But also, I already knew that. You didn't know it. If you would have known it, you would have said it. Yeah, most likely. Like that's yeah. an eighty percent. Sure, twenty percent of the time you might be like, "Hey, Jocko, arm locks work from the guard too." I'd be like, "I even then I wouldn't say I already knew that." That's I'd be like, I mean. "You know what? That's yeah, a, that's a, that's something definitely good to consider." Yeah, you yeah. know that's sort of a general principle that I totally. 
agree with, you yeah. know, something like that. Yeah. Just not, I already knew that. Yeah. Or, well, of course. Yeah. Or, yeah. duh, or, you know, duh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. extreme. But, well, of course, that's the one where they're like, you know yeah, what? Of course. You know what forces those words out of your mouth? What? Your ego. Yeah. It's your ego because yeah. you don't want that person to have that piece of information that you didn't have. Right. So you just, I already knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and sometimes it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't say that it's not natural. I mean, it feels, you know, if, especially if you did already know it, it's like, Oh, I don't want him to think that I didn't know that when I really did kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Like, I don't want him to think I'm like not but knowing. What you need to do is you need to trust. You need to trust the nature of the world. Just, and the nature yeah. of the world is that <laughs> world. you will eventually be seen as someone that actually does know that. Yeah, clearly you know that. Yeah. Trust the nature of the world. <laughs> trust the nature of the world. I'm do it. All right. Uh, here's another situation. One falls into a feeling of security when a skillful enemy amuses you with pretend peace proposals. Mm. One falls into a feeling of security by mental laziness and through lack of calculation concerning the intentions of the enemy. Mental laziness. Mm. Just say no to the mental laziness. To proceed, and now he gives instructions on how to overcome these situations. To proceed properly, it is necessary to put oneself in his place and say, what would I do if I were the enemy? What project could I form? Make as many as possible of these projects, examine them all, and above all, reflect on the means to avert them. If you find yourself unable, put it right at once. So look at, even when you win, go, okay, well, if I were the enemy, what would I do right now? Mm. And if you can't figure out how to solve what you think the enemy's gonna do, then correct it right now. Mm. Often, through an hour's neglect, an unfortunate delay loses a reputation that has been acquired with a great deal of labor. Always presume that the enemy has dangerous designs and always be forehanded with the remedy. So you gotta be careful of what the enemy is gonna do. You've always gotta imagine that the enemy is ready for you. You gotta be ready for that. That's gotta be your mindset. And that's an extreme mindset. Like the enemy's always waiting and ready. Yeah. And you can go too far with that mindset. There's a dichotomy and here's the dichotomy of it. Back to the book. But do not let these calculations make you timid. So just because you're thinking about the enemy might do this, the enemy might do this, that could overwhelm you and be like, you know what, screw it, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. No, don't let these calculations make you timid. Circumspection is only good to a certain point. A rule that I practice myself and which I have always found good is that in order to have rest oneself, it is necessary to keep the enemy occupied. If you want to rest yourself, you got to keep the enemy occupied. Mm. You gotta put your competitor. You gotta put your competitor on their heels. Mm. If you want to get any rest at all, you gotta put your competitor on their heels. Then he says this throws them back on the defensive, and once they are placed that way, they cannot raise up again during the entire campaign. You just go. You when you get that lead on someone, you put them down. That's one of the thing I notice in in MMA. Mm-hmm. Like someone will say, "Oh, you won that last round. You got this." Mm-hmm. No, no, actually, don't say that to your corner. Yeah, be like, "Hey." He, that guy's gonna step it up. He's gonna come out harder. This is the round that he's wanting. He's coming after you. You need to step it up. You didn't win that round. Especially mm-hmm. in MMA, you never know who won the round because the judges yeah. are so horrible. Okay. 
Continuing on, back to the book. If you wish to be loved by your soldiers, husband their blood and do not lead them to slaughter. So that's a, that's an obvious statement, right? But he talks about that in detail. That's important. They can be spared by shortening the battle by means that I shall indicate, by the skill with which you choose your points of attack in the weakest localities, in not breaking your head against impracticable things which are ridiculous to attempt, in not fatiguing the soldiers uselessly, and in sparing him in sieges and battles. So he's saying you gotta take care of your your men. You gotta husband their blood and not lead them to slaughter. But the way you do that is by attacking the weak locations is I, I you know how many times have you heard me say like don't blink, bang your head against the wall 47 times like 47 yeah. okay that's the limit yeah, yeah. okay 48 you got to find a different way that's yeah. what he's saying don't just keep banging your bringing your head against impracticable things don't do that and here he says this when you seem to be most prodigal of soldiers blood you spare it however by supporting your attacks well, by pushing them with the greatest vigor to deprive time of the means of augmenting your losses. So what is he saying there? He's saying that the times, sometimes it might seem like you're being most wasteful mm-hmm. of, of the blood of your soldiers, but it's in those times where it seems that way, the, way, the reason it seems that way is because you're being super aggressive. It's because you're, you're setting up your attacks, you're supporting them well, and you're, you're being default aggressive. Husband, their blood. That's like take what, care like of it. Care of yeah, them, take care right? of like it. Yeah, take care of it. Like it's yours kind yep. of thing. Yep. Yeah, take care of it. And then he's saying when you seem to be most prodigal of your soldier's blood, that means when you're wasteful of your soldier's blood. Mm. You spare it by supporting your attacks well. That makes sense. By pushing them with the greatest vigor. That makes sense. Because if you guys are going at it half-ass, guess what? It's not going to work out well for them. mm Here, rules of war are of great usefulness. Or sorry, ruses of war are of great usefulness. Ruses of war. So this is like tricks, right? Mm. They are detours. Listen to this. They are detours which often lead more surely to the objective than the wide road which goes straight ahead. So what is he saying there? Don't do the frontal assault on the enemy's strong point. Mm Mm-mm. Use tricks. Use flanks. And here he just breaks it down. Animals have only one method of acting, (laughs) but intelligent men have inexhaustible resources. These resources are infinite in number. Their object is to hide your veritable design and to catch the enemy in the trap you have prepared for him. Thus, the contrary of what one wishes to do is feigned. If you open the campaign, you have your troops march and countermarch so that the enemy cannot learn the locality where you assemble. If it is a question of capturing cities, you encamp in a place which makes him fearful for two or three cities of his at the same time being attacked. If he hastens to one flank, throw yourself on the other. This is obvious stuff. Seems obvious. But what are you doing when you're, when you're setting up a triangle? 
right? You're you got the arm bar. You you put the person in the threat of the arm bar and the triangle and the sweep all at the same time. Mm-hmm. You 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 set up camp in between three cities. And they don't know which one you're going to attack, mm-hmm. and they got to defend all of them, right. or they got to try to defend all of them. So when they hasten to defend the arm bar, yeah. that's when you sh- throw yourself. Yeah. Throw yourself triangle. on that triangle. On that triangle. <laughs> <laughs> you outwit the enemy to force him to fight or to prevent him from it. So he's saying that the, the two ways to outsmart the enemy is you either make the enemy fight when you don't want him, when he doesn't want to, or you prevent him from fighting when you don't want to fight. Mm. And here he talks, this is basically a reverse psychology is mm. what he's about to go into right now. Mm. There are two means of forcing the enemy to fight. One is pretending to fear it. His self-confidence becomes your accomplice. Security lulls him into, security lulls him and your cunning triumphs. So if you act like you're afraid, maybe the person's gonna fight you. Mm. When it is desired to avoid battle, different ruses are used and apparent war is made, which has all the actions of the offensive and which nevertheless is of an opposite nature. So he's saying there, if you don't wanna fight, you act like you want to fight. That's that's all he's saying mm-hmm. in a bunch of words. <laughs> it is your attitude that imposes on your enemy and the suspicion that you give him that you are forming the boldest pro- projects against him. The attitude is maintained by not withdrawing easily before the enemy and often the appearance that you are waiting for him will make him lose all desire to attack you. But if he does come, you steal away by a night march which you had already planned long before. He thinks he has you, and the next day, there's no one. If you only withdraw, you will be followed, but but then it is necessary to take position to the flank, which will prevent him from passing you without running into great danger. This sort of war is a masterpiece of the Austrians, and it is from them that it should be learned. So, act aggressively and plan your escape. That's kind of the key thing. Because if you just act aggressively, you might get called on it, right? Yeah. And he's saying act aggressively, but plan your escape while you're acting aggressively. This is going to sound like this isn't an example because we all are too familiar with it. But here's the thing. When it first came, when this tactic first came out, there's a good example of that, that very thing. So at the bar, guy wants to fight you, right? Because what? You want to fight me? You want to fight me? Okay. Tell your friend, hey, hold me back. Hold me back, right? You want to fight? Yeah, let's fight. Let's fight. Let's fight. Hold me back. Hold me back. Hold me back. Friends holding him back. He wants to fight. The guy's like, oh, shoot, this guy wants to fight, whatever. And be like, hey, meet me outside. We're going to fight outside. Meet me outside. One minute, I don't want to fight in here, you know, but I'm ready kind of thing. Guy's like, fuck, he goes outside and meets the guy. It's like, guy's gone. You don't got to fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Acted all aggressive. Yeah. And then when he went outside to fight you, if he even wants to go outside to fight, you might be like, man, this guy's kind of crazy. He was down to fight so all quick. So I might not go out there, but when he does finally go out there, he's gone. You're is gone. it a is it an unwritten like rule that if you go to get in a fight, I'm gonna try and hold you back? Because you can't be. like whisper to someone like hold me back. Hold I me know, back. but Can back you? in back in the day before everyone knew that tactic, it's kind of like that was a good tactic. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying, is it the general rule to just hold people back, like hold your friend back from getting in a fight? It depend, depends. And on I your guess circles. we could because if you ever been with someone who's like, I'm not gonna hold you back. Go, you yeah. wanna. Oh yeah, hundred percent. One of my buddies, who's who's a badass team guy, somebody was talking smack. Another seal was talking smack. Mm. He's like, "I'll go kick that guy's ass." Yeah, thinking that my buddy would be like, "No, you know, don't. I'm yeah. gonna hold you back." 
And he's like, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's all. What are you waiting for? He's right over there. Yeah. Why don't you go get him? You're running your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. like, oh, Ooh, I really got to do one. this? <laughs> yeah. All right. So don't run your mouth is the key point there. Yeah. See, so I feel, I feel like that's kind of like a response to that old school tactic. You yeah, know? no, that's a good response to the old school tactic. If you come out with me and you want to go after someone, I'm going to let you go. Yeah. I'm be like, oh, go, go, get, go get some. <laughs> See what you got. Because I don't like people when they're running their mouth. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone does. Yeah. Yeah, we had a guy on our football it's, team. It's weird that, that everyone knows no one likes people that run their mouths, but there's a bunch of people in the world that run their mouths. Yeah. Explain that one. We all know it. It's kind of like the name dropping thing. Right, it's harder to see it in yourself than it is to see in other people. It's like easy to see it in other people. Oh, I hate when the guy runs his mouth. Meanwhile, like that's all you do, kind of thing. It's hard to see it in yourself uh, and easy to see in other. I think that's one of those things. That's what I think. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. Good point. That is that you just you uh, once again, for that guy that's listening, yep. he just nailed it. He's like, oh, yeah, got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that. I'll tell you what, this book was, I don't know if it's the translation or whatever, but there's definitely some long, complicated sentences that were a little bit tricky for, for me. Sure. Had to read a few times. Back to the book. There, and, and let me, by saying that, what I mean is like sometimes, you know, a movie from 1987 is a better example. Hey man, I book. dig it. That's what, that's what you're here for. Yes, Keep sir. it real over here. <laughs> yep. There is another ruse, which is that if you find the enemy too strong to attack him, you help him with the means of dividing his forces. So basically, if you can get people to split up, if you can get your enemy to split up, that's a, a good tactic as well. There's another type of ruse which is admirable. It is that of double spies. It is necessary to know them and then tell them with an air of good faith everything that you want the enemy to know. So there you go. It is essential to know what is happening among amongst the enemy. I am of the opinion that the best thing against the Austrians will be to bribe some captain or major for their hussars by means of whom intelligence can be carried on with them. And there's a reason why I'm talking about this. So he's talking about spies, and this is kind of old school. But I, I, I brought that part up so I could do this part right here. Mm. If greed for silver does not work, it is necessary to employ fear. Seize some mayor of a village where you camp and force him to take a disguised man who speaks the language of the country and under some pretext to conduct him as his servant in the enemy army. Threaten him that if he does not bring your man back, you will cut the throat of his wife and children whom you hold under guard while waiting and that you will have his house burned. I was obliged to employ this sad expedient in Bohemia, and it succeeded for me. In general, it is necessary to pay spies well and not to be miserly in that respect. A man who risks being hung in your service merits being well paid. So, Frederick the Great, we know he, we know he liked music and literature, but guess what? He was no stranger to just having your family's throats cut and burning the house down. Jeez. Yeah, ruthless. So he's saying be well paid. Like, it's kind of like, hey, if you listen, like a carrot in the stick situation where it's like, oh, okay, if you listen, if you're all good, you get paid well. If not, you get your house burned down yeah. and your kid's wife yeah. slit throats. Yep. He's saying if, no, he's saying if you can, use the carrot. 
If the carrot works, that's great. If you yeah. can make someone greedy, that's like, all right, you know what? I'll get this information for you because I'm greedy. That's cool. If you can't get that, time yeah. to use fear. Yeah, it's kind of give them no choice kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's what's, what's scary about that is that's goes on today that's what a lot of the jihadists would do they yeah. would they would kidnap or they would they would take someone and say look you either run the suicide bomb into this building or we're gonna kill your family yeah. all of them and burn your house down and and you know the people make that horrible choice yeah and that and well even that that's more the sticks it's like remember oh, that's the old complete school, stick remember the ma the like apparently the ma like on the mafia movies and stuff they're mm-hmm. like hey they're paying off this guy but if mm-hmm. he's like if he doesn't want to play the game anymore then they kill him you know it's kind of like yeah. that like that right basically no it's two different things so if you can get someone that does will do what you want him to do for yeah, money that's great yeah if you can't get anyone to do that then you got to go yeah go yeah hard. you got to go throat cutting. Yeah. But Throw. I guess you're right that someone could say, "Hey, I'm done," and then you go, "Oh no, you're not done. Right, right. You're done. When we, yeah. So you are right. Yeah. The, yeah. the mafia. The mafia thing. Them. Like, yeah. You, you you you're gonna you're gonna keep doing this. No, yeah. I'm not. People get involved in situations like that that they shouldn't have gotten involved in, and it yeah. all seems okay. Yeah. It all seems okay in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, one side or the other, because either side, whether you're a criminal or you're whether you go to help a criminal out or you go to help the cops out, like you think it's gonna be, hey, the, it's just gonna go good. It's not. Yeah. You're gonna end up in a bad situation. You're in a bad way. So the, the expression "getting into bed with uh, whatever, whatever," you know, yeah, it's yeah. not going to work out. Kind of that situation. I never wanted to be a spy of any kind. You never did. Never wanted to be a spy of any kind. Yeah. Never watched uh, James Bond and was mm-hmm. like, "I'd really like to do that." <laughs> never watched uh, a spy movie and thought, like, I don't know, I don't like the, I don't like that whole uh, uh, paranoia. Like yeah. undercover cops too. I'm sure we'll get somebody that's yeah. done deep undercover. Yeah. I never had like I don't. I want to. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't I can dig it. I, man. I don't like to. I don't want to fabricate everything like that all the time. Yeah, that's just hard. It's, I mean, props to them. Like undercover cops. That's a f- crazy job. Can't yeah. even imagine it. Bro, imagine going in. Right, you're undercover, deep cover. You go in and you don't know if that guy knows. You uh, know, because know, that's Scary. how, right? Yeah, like the, for sure. Especially these organized crime bosses. Mm-hmm. I don't know that's how it is on the movies anyway. Where when they find out, it's like a lot of times they don't just, oh, what? He's a yeah, cop no, and no, kill no. him. It's like, they no, set no, him no, up. no, no, crew. They set him up. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I never had the desire to do that. Some people really like that stuff. I never had the desire yeah. to do that. Remember Swordfish? You watch that movie, Swordfish? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that happens. Anyway, it's like a cross and a double cross. Anyway. Yeah. We'll Good. talk about that some other time. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's 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 tee it up for <laughs> a whole podcast. The, we'll go back to the book. How about that? <laughs> Check. In neutral countries, it is necessary to make friends. If you can win over the whole country, so much the better. The friendship of the neutral countries gained by requiring the soldiers to observe good discipline and by picturing your enemies as barbarous and bad intentioned. Solid. Solid advice, right? Mm. Oh, this is good. Let no one imagine that it is that it is sufficient just to move an army about to make the enemy regulate himself on your movements. So you you can't just think to yourself, "Hey, my moves are enough." Mm-hmm. And I'm doing and, and it's gonna have the impact that I want it to have 
a general who is who has too presumptuous confidence in his skills runs the risk of being grossly duped that's what this is don't let your ego get out of control war is not an affair of chance a great deal of knowledge study and meditation is necessary to conduct it well and when blows are planned whoever contrives them with the greatest appreciation of their consequences will have a great advantage however to give a few rules on such a delicate matter I would say that in general the first of two army commanders who adopts an offensive attitude almost always reduces his rival to the defensive and makes him regulate himself on his movements what does that mean it means default aggressive it means go that's what it means unskillful generals race to the first trap set before them <laughs> I just had a guy on Twitter say uh, I'm a white belt but tonight I swept a blue belt it wasn't really that good though because he arm locked me quickly thereafter and I was like you yeah, didn't sweep him you got set up yeah, welcome yeah, to jiu-jitsu so same thing don't race for the first trap that's set before you this is why a great advantage is drawn from knowledge of your adversary and when you know his intelligence and character you can use it to play on his weaknesses everything which the enemy least expects will succeed the best that's true a hundred percent that's why when you get like when you think about when you get caught in jiu-jitsu I would say most of the time it's getting caught with something that you didn't expect right yeah. some people Dean can do things and like he's gonna get it and you know it's coming like you yeah. hear Hicks and stories Hicks and be like I'm gonna arm lock everyone's left arm and they'd line up 20 black belts need to arm lock everyone's left arm Yeah But most of the time It's something that you least expect. Yeah And in there's kind of two things and I think the weird strange I was just thinking about this yesterday where there's like there's two kind of ways where you'll get caught. So if you want to use Dean as the example and then the the unexpected mm-hmm. example. If you get caught in some by someone like when Dean does that, where yeah. it's like, oh, I'm going to get you with this. What he does is the equivalent of, let's say, like, I don't know. If and he, he might not literally say that, but you know it's coming. I mean, I yeah. do this to you, right? Where you're like, oh, he's about to come here with me. Yeah. Like, you know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's know, the situation that we're talking about. Yes. Example one. Yes. So it's like, okay, if you're on the battlefield or whatever, you have a defense here, you know, a defensive position there, a defensive position there, a defensive position there. And they're all protecting ultimately, like one guy's protecting this guy, this guy's protecting this guy and this guy, you know, kind of thing. So it's like, you can't get to this guy without without going through this situation, right? And what Dean essentially does is he shuts down all your defenses for this thing two moves ahead of you. So it's like, okay, I'm going to try to pass the guard, but to pass the guard, how is he going to defend? So he shuts that down before you even realize like, oh yeah, that he's going to try to pass the guard. Yeah, he's a few steps ahead. Yes. So when he goes for these moves. When I'm getting the Kamira on you, it's not the Kamira itself that got you. It was... A minute ago when you a, left your arm out yeah. and I isolated it because I was yeah. going for a choke and I end up doing that. Yes. Right. And then your other arm's tied up yep. under your heavy ass knee mm-hmm. because that's part of the defense. But you already knew that yeah. two moves ago. You already knew yeah. that. So that you shut those down. Yeah. And that's what Dean's good at a lot of times, especially. As, and he has that weird good like pressure. Oh, you yeah. Know? So if your arm is like isolated, since you don't really detect like immediate threat, you're like, dang, my arm's stuck. But hey, that's not. 
it's kind of okay for right now. I'll deal with it later. But here's the yeah. thing. No, you're not going to deal with no. it later. He just took care yeah, of that, yeah, yeah, that yeah, big that defense that you're going to need, by the way. Gone. And it's gone. And then you by the time he gets there. You don't even know that you need it yet yes. in, in 20 seconds in the future. But he already eliminated that. Exactly right. And that's the way it works there. And the other ones are just like how you're saying where it's kind of like, you know, you attack this sweep and the arm bar. And when they go to defend one or even both of them a lot of times because they're ready for it, you know, you went for the thing that you had planned already. Dean does that. Dean does that where he'll like let someone try and arm lock him or let him try and triangle. And like they're 100% not going to arm lock him. Yeah. But even me, I'll be like, maybe I can get it this one time. Yeah. (laughs) He continues on here, back to the book. If he relies for security on a chain of mountains that he believes is impracticable, and you pass these mountains by roads unknown to him, he is confused to start with, and if you press him, he will not have time to recover from his consternation. That's actually a really good description of jiu-jitsu right there. Like, you're just confused, and by the time you're trying to overcome your confusion and your concern, you're getting crushed. In the same way, if he places himself behind a river to defend the crossing, and you find some forward above or below which he, which, on which to cross, unknown to him, this will surprise and derange him and confuse him. I like that. The art of war is divided between force and stratagem. What cannot be done by force must be done by stratagem. And I actually was kind of unclear about the usage of the word stratagem, and there's meanings of it to clarify the meaning a little bit more specifically it means like deception like mm-hmm. trickery yeah. it's not it just doesn't mean strategy it means like we're, yeah. we're, 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 this is a trick scenario yeah it kind of seems like the root word of what strategy kind of maybe came from well yeah kind of i would definitely say that <laughs> <laughs> it's the same damn word yeah, yeah, so i'd say you nailed that yeah. one <laughs> uh hold on let me let me redo that that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, man, I didn't see that. Thank you, Jocko. <laughs> uh, you know, just... uh, see, sometimes I don't follow my own no, guidance. That was no. one of them, huh? No, Straight man. up just it, hucking a dagger at you. Isn't that an exception, though? Because you know how, like, everything, you know, you can do something too much. So, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, like, if you're well, always <laughs> encouraging me, I'm, I'm busting out dumb, obvious stuff, yeah. you know, all you the mean, time. like, strategy? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Okay, right. that's why I didn't try and fake it. You know, I kept nope. it real. I yeah, kept man, it real you gotta keep side. it real. <laughs> the dichotomy, man. The dichotomy. Check. Uh, have your disposition supported well. Do not forget your reserves. Take advantage of the terrain, and then attack him brusquely, and you should be able to hope for the most brilliant success. If the heights are on your side, this will be of great advantage to you. If they are not. You have almost no hope of succeeding. Take the high ground, or the high ground will take you. Something that we talked about a little bit. Yes, sir. Now he's talking about attacking the enemy's entrenchment, so the enemy's in a defended position. If you have resolved to attack an entrenched enemy, do it at once and do not allow him time to perfect his works. So if you know you're going to have to defend, attack a defended position, do it as quick as you can. Don't let them get their defenses all set up. Mm. That's something that a lot of jiu-jitsu players, they, especially I would say it's, it's kind of the same thing, but if you pass my guard, I don't wait until you settle me across the side before I start escaping. Yeah. As soon as I know I'm going to lose that position, I'm already escaping. 
Yeah. And same thing, if I pass your guard and then I let you get in your defensive position, well, it's going to be hard to yank your arm out of there. But there's yeah. a moment where your arm's hanging out, and if yeah. I go for it right then, my probability for success is a lot higher. Yeah. Huh. Uh, you got all mad one time, like a couple months ago, because yeah. I did that to you. I like pass you, go wham, arm yeah. lock. And you, and you were, it was a straight, there's something that bothered you about it. Yeah. Emotionally, I don't know what it was. Oh, I could tell you. Okay. You want me to reenact or recount the account? Yeah. So I said to you, I said, you know what? Because you kept getting me with the guillotine. Mm. And, I was, and I said to you kind of, I don't even know why I said this, but I did say that. I said, I think I got my defense against your Kimura and arm lock like your other arm moves. I think I got that down. I think I'm solid with those, defending those. But the guillotine, I'm still, you know, trying to figure out. I said something. I said mm. that basically mm. in so many words, mm-hmm. and you were like, "Oh, okay." Oh yeah. And then because yeah. <laughs> did bro. and yeah, and then you went in a little bit, you know, more sense of urgency or whatever. And it was an arm bar that you did that was almost would have been a flying arm bar, except it was done in a scramble. Yeah. So like you kind of did a little guard pass, and you went to, the, and yeah, it came out of nowhere. Yeah. You shouldn't have been capable of doing that, yeah. in my opinion, at the time. Well, I opened the game up. Sometimes I could open the game up a little bit. Yes, you did, sure. <laughs> That's exactly you know what, what happened. I, I, I love that part of jujitsu. Lo- I love that part of jujitsu where you're going, like getting after. I've been training with Andy Hard, and we've been both been opening up the game. I used to train with Dean like this all the time. We just didn't yeah. care. Suicidal. Every move was a suicide move. Yeah, like, hey, go. I might just die after I do this move, but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go full speed. And, and you just watch it. It would just be like a like a, like a a Tasmanian devil. <laughs> just yeah. stuff going on. Yeah. I'm, tra- I'm trying to train like that again right now. Yeah, and that's good because... Like, it's so fun. In a way, you start to... It's almost like you, you guys are both doing... Offense and counters is what you're doing. Yeah. You're not really defending technically much. Exactly. You know, you're just going to yeah. And yeah, he's going for something. You're like, okay, because most moves have a counter to it, you know, kind of thing. And you're just thinking like, it's a real forward thinking like dynamic. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is. It's fun. It's good. Yeah. And so point being, once you get a little advantage on the enemy, take advantage, take further advantage of it. Don't, yeah, let, don't let them reset them. and resettle. Go. Yeah. Get a little advantage on your competitor. Go, tear yeah. them apart, attack harder. Yeah. It is the general's coup d'état that must decide this. If you attack a bull by the horns, your task will be difficult and perhaps will not succeed at all. So attack weak positions makes sense. And now he starts talking about, so he talked about attacking an entrenchment or a defensive position. Now he's talking about setting up a defensive position. And he says, as I have already said, and I repeat it, that I would never put myself in an entrenchment, at least unless a terrible misfortune, such as the loss of a battle or a triple superiority on the part of the enemy forced me to do it. So he's not going to dig in and try and defend. He's going to be on offense all the time. You know, this is really essentially what the guard is. Mm. People think, you know, you shouldn't be on the bottom in yeah. the guard. That's a disadvantage. It's a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. You would rather be on top. Yeah. And if you end up in the guard, well, that's because you ended up there by some gross misfortune of your own doing, most yeah. likely, or your other person. Now, have there, are there some people out there that absolutely have a guard that's so crazy and offensive mm-hmm. that it's it's kind of morphed that a little bit? Yeah. Yes, that is true. Yeah, and that, and that and, goes along with the And there's some people in combat that are so good at defending positions that they make it, well, look at the Russians. 
that their their whole strategy is basically pulling guard like yeah okay I'm, you come this way a little bit because what's where do you spend more gas defending guard or passing guard passing guard me too for sure yeah trying to pass guard is way more energy draw it draws way more energy trying to pass someone's yeah, guard. and when guard, you're just yeah. when you're just holding and you adjust your hips and you adjust your hips well that's what the Russians do so their guard mm-hmm. is just really really good they, yeah. they tax you a little bit and move back they tax you a little bit move back they tax you a little bit move back mm. and by the time you get there you're exhausted just mm. you get caught um, <clears throat> if you are inferior in numbers do not despair of winning but do not expect any other success than gained by your skill so you can win when you're outnumbered, but you better have some serious skill. Mm. There are some generals who maintain that an army in position should be attacked in the center. As for me, I am of the opinion that it should be attacked at the weakest point. They say that in breaking the center, you separate the entire army and place yourself in a situation to gain the most brilliant advantages. As for me, I repeat it, I approve of all methods of attacking provided they are directed at the point where the enemy's army is the weakest and where the terrain favors them the least. Attack weak points. Boom. This is important. The defensive positions. Again, he's talking about defense a little bit more. I would choose only unassailable positions or else I would not occupy them at all. For we have too many advantages in attacking to deprive ourselves of them gratuitously. Now, let me tell you what I took away away from that. This is something that I do all the time, and it, it might, it's like no big deal. It's no big deal. It's, but when you think about it, it's it's important. I choose. I would only choose unassailable positions, or else I would not occupy them at all. What does that mean to me? What that means is, if I don't know something a hundred percent, I don't try and defend it with a hundred percent strength I see this all the time with businesses with human beings with people they they're not they don't know something a hundred percent but they're gonna they're gonna fall on their sword because of it Uh, and it's a total mistake there's there's very few things that I feel so knowledgeable about and I have such a good position on that my position is unassailable Mm. so why it doesn't take a it doesn't it doesn't you're not a bad person if you go you know what I'm not 100% sure on that yeah here's my opinion but it's just an opinion yeah look at people that are the minute you throw down and you're in a position that is assailable meaning you can get your your butt kicked well then guess what mm. you will someone's going to come and do it yeah so just keep an open mind don't don't hunker down on positions that you're not even sure about yeah there you go that's yeah. all seems logical but here's what's hard i think is because usually that's in like some kind of me against you situation and i'm talking about obviously with just normal people usually it's like some sort of a debate mm-hmm. that you get into with somebody about something and it turns into this okay it's me against you i'm right you're wrong Versus you're right and I'm wrong kind of thing. And it just turns into that. So now it's like now it's kind of some part in their brain kind of thinks, okay, if I say, hey, I'm not really sure. I just gave up the battle. I just gave up yeah. this whole battle that kind of started. Yeah. And between don't us. start there. The key part of this is don't start with 
I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah. Start with, yeah. you know what, I'm not too informed about this subject. Can you fill me yeah. in? And by the way, the more you talk, as we learned, the more you talk, the more I know about yeah. your position and my position. Yeah. So I'm going to let you talk. Yeah. Go ahead. But that is given the given the fact or given the circumstance that your brain, your mind isn't in a me against you mode. Yes, that's why you don't walk around in that mode. That there's the the, uh, the misstep. Hold on, right there. there's a there's a there's a little dichotomy <laughs> there too. Oh, yeah. You want to know why? Yes. Because I'm always me against you. I'm yeah. me against everyone. Yeah. But the way I actually win against you is to not defend an unassailable position. Yeah. That's and, how I actually win. And you have this thing where you're. That's 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 important important as yes. you say yeah and and that's not to mention how you always have well you seem to always have this mindset of like the bigger picture like a big you know how you say like mm. you don't necessarily you're not focused on little battles all the time yeah. you're more focused on the war so it's a little something we call detached yeah yes you know? i don't really care about the thing that you're actually fired up about i don't actually care yeah about. i care about a little tiny bit i only care about how it's going to affect the long-term outcome of this broad strategy that i'm over here executing <laughs> <laughs> yes so see how you're you seem to be always aware of that. There's the misstep, I think, that people, they get, um, what do you call it? When you get sucked into Target those. fixation. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, for sure. It, that's not an easy thing to just not do. I'm just not going to do it. You know, it's yeah. not that easy, man. Whatever, you know. No, for you, yeah, though. I huh? like it. Uh, back to the book. I have not spoken yet of the reserve. It should be commanded by a skillful general, and it should be placed in a locality where he can see everything. So... The reason I brought this up is to again counteract something that he said in the beginning of the book, which is right here. He should act on his own initiative. And if he sees that one of the wings are in need of help, he should conduct a reserve there without being called. So again, as much as he says, hey, everyone will listen to me, obey, that's his macho statement. The reality is he wants his he wants his reserve leader to like step up and make things happen without being told. Mm. That's decentralized command. Mm. That's how it has to be. I like this. What is practiced in armies is done on a small scale with detachments. So you got your you got your big army. They do the same thing that the little elements out there in the field do. What's mm-hmm. my primary example? Of this cover and move. So when he says detachments, he means he just his, means small his, little elements. Yeah, like you break off a little chunk. Yeah, 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 a company, a platoon, a battalion. Gotcha. You, they're out there doing the same thing that the army's doing, that the big regiment divisions doing. Here's a good one. A battle is lost less, less through the loss of men than by discouragement. Remember that one. The, another one. The man who does things without motive or in spite of himself is either insane or a fool. War is decided only by battles and it is not finished except by them. Thus, they have to be fought. But it should be done, but it should be opportunely and with all the advantages on your side. Concur. Here's a, here's a good little section. Reflections on the hazards and misfortunes of war. When a general conducts himself with all prudence, he can still suffer ill fortune. For how many things do not cooperate at all? with his labors. So yeah, things are gonna go bad. Weather, harvest, the officers, the health or sickness of his troops, blunders, the death of an officer on whom he counts, discouragement of the troops, exposure of your spies, negligence of the officers who should reconnoiter the enemy, and finally, betrayal. 
These are the things that should be kept continually before your eyes so as to be prepared for them and so that good fortune will not blind us. (laughs) You cannot be blinded by good fortune. You're going to get lucky sometimes. Mm. He goes on about this more. If an important detachment is entrusted to a man of judgment and if this man should become sick or should be killed, there is all your business hung up. For no one should imagine that sound heads are common in armies. Yeah, guess what? It's really hard to find good leaders. Offensive generals are rare among us. I only know a few and nevertheless, it is only to these that this sort of detachment can be entrusted talking about aggressive when he says offensive general he means aggressive generals Mm. people are gonna make things happen Mm. so good you know if you're like a young person or an old person or you're a person listening to this sure if you can make things happen yeah it's like incredible yeah and you will go far in life yeah if you sit back and you wait for things to happen it's not good and you won't go far in life yeah nothing is gonna just happen because you Held your, you crossed your fingers. Yeah. Doesn't make anything happen. You yeah. have to make it happen. You have to be a, an aggressive general. Yeah. And they're rare. There's not even, it's like, you know what? There's actually not even any competition. Mm. Like, there's no competition for it. Like, if you're, you're, there, you are such high, if you're a person that can make things happen, you are in yeah. such high demand, you're gonna, you're gonna be set. Yeah. There's just not that many people that will make things happen. Yeah. And if you're one of them, you're going to do great. Yeah, that's true, huh? And you, hey, am I saying you got to step on toes and you got to be all aggro and ma- macho and run around? No, I'm not saying that. But if you make things happen and you do it tactfully and you're smart, you the, the sky's the limit. Yeah, because it's not like there's just this overabundance of people no. making. Hey, I work with businesses all the time. The the, the every, every single business I wor- work with is looking for good people that are going to make things happen. Yeah. That's just all of them, 100%. I never went to a business that like, oh yeah, luckily everyone here, we're maxed out with people that good good people that make things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. That's too many of them. No. Man. Yeah. So be a person that makes things happen. Yeah, and there's a difference as far as what I can tell. There's a difference between someone who's grinding and working real hard at it and then someone who makes it happen. Because like, okay, when you kind of make it happen, sure, that usually takes work. I, I dig it. But at the end oh, of the yeah, day, yeah, it's yeah. like there are straight up results yeah, versus yeah, no, no. the guy who For just sure. sort of just For works sure. hard. Hey, the guy that works hard is cool too, but there's a difference. You're right. There's a, there's <laughs> there's a difference yeah. between someone that just makes things happen. Yeah. And they'll work. They'll do whatever. They'll yeah. make things happen. They'll work hard. They'll grind hard. Yeah, they'll yeah. maneuver. They'll go back. They'll re. They'll re. They'll revisit the whole plan. Yeah. To get the result. Make it happen. Yeah, man. they're gonna make it happen. Yeah. Remember, I told the story about finding wine for my brother. Oh yeah, Remember yeah, you yeah. The story? That yeah. that was the kind of the. <laughs> I know, terrible example. <laughs> I know, but at, at its core, it's the same thing. You ever you seen just, the wine aisle? It's yeah, huge, hey, and you're like, you easily could say, hey. I didn't have that much time or whatever. You, you just know? made it happen, though. Uh, I don't one, care. I'll be there for one, one those, hour. You're one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, tra- I'm starting. I'm, begin- anyway, I'm in hey, the beginning. It starts I'm in the wine girl. aisle at Vons. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes sir, it does. Uh, okay, speaking of things happening by luck, you kind of mentioned that. In considering fortuitous events in the chapter of accidents, one can see that a general should be skillful and lucky. 
and that no one should believe so fully in his star that he abandons himself to it blindly. If you are lucky and trust in luck alone, even if your success reduces you to the defensive, if you are unlucky, you are already there. So if you're counting on luck, you're already on the defensive. Mm. (laughs) And if you're unlucky, you're already on the defensive. (laughs) And you know what I say to that is make your luck. That's what I say. Yeah. Get out there and make your luck. Yeah. You will have seen by what I have occasion to delineate concerning war that promptness And by promptness he's talking about speed Promptness contributes a great deal to success in marches and even more in battles That is why our army is drilled in such fashion that it acts faster than others Violence of action is what they used to teach us in the SEAL teams how cool is it when you're 19 years old and you're getting taught about violence of action? Yeah, it seems pretty cool. If I heard this podcast and I was 18 years old and I heard someone saying, when you got to the SEAL teams, you get taught about violence of action, mm-hmm. I would go sign up immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, violence of action. Like, go hard now. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. He calls it promptness. But we don't call it promptness. <laughs> we call it violence of action. Yeah. From drill, these maneuvers which enable us to form in the twinkling of an eye and from this, that speed in all cavalry moments. So again, when I got to the SEAL teams, they didn't say, hey, you need to learn to be able to move in the twinkling of an eye. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have, been, <laughs> would have been down with that. No, no, no. Violence of action. Yes, sir. That's what's important. Mm-hmm. As for, and he, that was talking about cavalry. Now he talks about on foot. As for the rapid step of the infantry and the attack, it is, not, it is not the greater or lesser number of dead that decides an action, but the ground you gain. It is not the fire, but the bearing which defeats the enemy. So he said, it's not like the, 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 the shooting that does it, it's how aggressive you are. Mm. And so now there's a caveat to that, which is like fire superiority is a real thing. Mm. And if you've been on the wrong side of fire superiority, you're not winning anything. Mm. But if you get aggressive, then that is the, one of the most powerful things on the battlefield. And that's ex- exactly how you overcome when, when, you're, when someone else has superior firepower on you or fire superiority on you, the way you overcome it is by aggressive action, by sending out someone to a flank and, and do something aggressive, move. That's what you have to do. That's what you do to get out of there. And they taught us, that's another thing they taught us. Like you get ambushed, you get someone's got fire superiority, what do you do? You attack. Mm. That's what you do, you attack. Still recommend that. <laughs> and a couple more thoughts here from Frederick the Great. The general should make sure that new uniforms for the army arrive in time towards spring, that the captains provide shoes, that the wagons, cannon carriages, etc., of the army are repaired, as well as the saddles and boots of the cavalry. In a word, he should enter into all these details and himself visit the quarters to see what is going on there, if the officers are drilling the recruits, if they are working, and to animate them with kind words and reprimands to make them do their duty. So he's a guy that gets in there. The guy that makes things happen, as we've been talking about. And he's also a person that really takes care of his people and makes sure that they are taken care of. If you take care of your people, your people are going to take care of you. 
And he closes out and close out Frederick the Great's thoughts right here. <laughs> I had to pick something to close on. There's a lot of stuff, but I figured this one would would do a decent job. It should be said to the shame of young men that debauchery and laziness often make them prefer ease to glory. Boom. So there you go. And obviously, once again, um, I think we see that leadership is leadership is leadership and in different times and different places and different battles and different circumstances the fundamental principles do not change they do not change and and we do see them with different angles and you see different nuances and that provides us the ability to understand them with greater depth so that so that we can become better leaders is what is what I'm talking about here not maybe not a maybe not as great as Frederick the Great maybe. but if we become better leaders we can take better care of our teams and if we take care of our teams our teams will take care of us and that is what leadership is Frederick the Great mm-hmm. now we make this podcast so that we can learn and I learn a lot from this podcast Me too. myself. Mm-hmm. And we also do it on a podcast so that other people can learn with us, which is seems fair. Mm-hmm. And if anyone wants to help support the podcast, there's actually a bunch of different ways that you can do it, which we'll talk about. And it's not just like, hey, just support the podcast. That's not that's not the deal. No. No, it's, it's more like just get in the game. Get in the game, yes. yes. <laughs> that's yes, that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Just support the podcast would be uh, send you know, send money. Or, hey, we're going to put the podcast behind a firewall. <laughs> and if you want to get them, you give me money. That's not what we're saying. No. Because we're not. getting a lot of other. We're already getting a lot out of the podcast. Yes, sir. So we're good. But if you want to get deeper into the game, that's cool. You can do that too. Mm -hmm. You can do that one way is our company, Origin USA. You can do it. Farmington, Maine. What is it? American-made products. 100% American-made. Without compromise. Get some. Mm -hmm. We got geese and rash guards, which are the best in the world. Straight up. No, No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Factually, I would say. Factually. The the geese are made of a blend. They're not a ghee from 1956, which is what all other geese are. Mm. Just geese from 1956. Yeah. <laughs> right? No. Yes. They're not. They're no. modern. Modern. Made for jujitsu. Yes. For jujitsu. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And also... The joggers. I know. I know. But yes, the joggers, most comfortable jog. So, okay. And, you know, I, I consider myself, I fancy myself as a connoisseur of comfort. Right. So. I, I, I consider myself a connoisseur of suffering. Yes. So. It's the, you know, it's the dichotomy. There's a dichotomy even within the podcast. Within personalities. the group. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, if you are interested in that, I would recommend the joggers. Yeah. 
I'm not interested in it. So if you were interested, you can get them. Well, if not, oh, by the way, you can jog in them too. By the way, okay. Well, Actually, then I guess that ups the suffering level a little bit. <laughs> you can do suffering stuff in the comfortable joggers. That's that's kind of the key. Anyway, what else? Also, there's supplements there. Yeah, a bunch of different kinds. Sure. Yeah. Joint warfare, joint yeah, supplements. Good one. Yeah. So joint warfare is, and this is totally just me doing this, me categorizing it. So the krill oil, I, I always looked at like, okay, omega-3s, that's for general health, you know, so joints uh, and other stuff, by the way, your eyeballs, other stuff too, um, it's going to keep it more in the game, healthy, whatever. So your joints, as they degenerate over time, boom, the omega-3s from the krill oil, which is the best absorption compared to fish oil and all these other supplements, which are fine, but krill oil is way better. Jocko Super Krill Oil, even better, more antioxidants, by the way, factually. I always considered those as just general health. I did. And so the joint warfare, that's like, if you're getting nuts doing jujitsu, that's kind of the thing, right? Even when I first started jujitsu, uh, Brent, I think it was, he was like, hey, glucosamine and chondroitin, this mm-hmm. is going to help you from just from all the twisting that you do, especially when you train every day. This is back, you know, training yeah. five, six days a week, hardcore, competing or whatever. And he was like, yeah, glucosamine chondroitin. So I always like viewed those two, like the, so the joint warfare has glucosamine chondroitin yes. and curcumin, yeah, yeah. you know, that I always got to add the Amongst extra good stuff. Things. Yeah, yeah, I, I dig it. Good. So it's like if your joints are being like hammered on because you're carrying a pickaxe all day or yeah. something like this. Anyway, that's how I kind of view the thing. So. I had surgery on my bicep. I know. I'm going to go into it again. I'm going to give you an update on it. So literally, I have no cast. I have no cast, no bandage, no stitch, no nothing right now. That's amazing. In fact, if you see me, you wouldn't even think. Maybe yeah, I, I didn't remember that you had surgery until you told me today. Yeah, yeah I wanted the attention. Yeah. But the uh, the... And that's funny you say that because sometimes I even forget I had surgery. Yeah. Like, you know what? Like, you do just everyday stuff, just, putting on a belt or again, something like that. I'm not going to try to drag this out, but you had the exact same surgery on the other arm. The healing process was much, much slower. The only, I guess, difference between the two scenarios, there's actually two differences. I said the only, but there's two differences. Mm-hmm. One, you were much younger in your first surgery, which yes. would indicate that probably you would heal quicker. But that did not happen, and that has not happened. In fact, the opposite has happened. You have healed much, much faster. It's not even close. Much faster. And the only other thing is that joint warfare, krill oil. That's the only thing I did different, yes. In fact, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's the only thing I did different. Um, To the point where I hear it's in the spirit of accuracy, I don't know technically, biologically, how much this is healing as far as my tendon healing to the bone. I don't know. There's no way of knowing. But I do know this. I forget that I had surgery three weeks ago, yeah. by the way, to reattach my whole muscle to my bone. <laughs> they drill a hole in your bone. They put it in that hole. They yeah. put an anchor on the other side of your bone attached not to the thing. And it's, bro, it's not nothing. It's, it's definitely really something. something. <laughs> And I forget that I had that surgery three weeks ago, by the way. Well, that's good. Joint warfare, awesome. Krill oil, I've been on that forever, and I highly recommend it because it helps you with everything. And now you're saying it helps me with my vision, too? Well, omega-3s helps you with a bunch of stuff in your body. Including my vision. Vision, all that stuff. That's good to know. I just thought I just had sharp vision. 
Yeah, omega threes, man. Look into it. It's all good. Also, discipline. Yes. You need discipline. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so you need self discipline in your life, but you're not talking about that, are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, and it's not even imposed discipline. Actually, it's kind of sem- somewhat imposed. You're imposing it on yourself, yeah, but you not are. really because you made it taste okay. The supplement's called discipline, but you made it taste good, so it's not imposed. It's welcomed. It's like welcomed. So I was discipline. Dave and I were up working with a company. Actually, it's me, Dave, and Leif, and we're up working with a company. And you know, whenever we work, whenever we get together, it's always like we're going hard. And, you know, there's not a lot of sleep going on or whatever and workouts and all that. Sure. And you ever, um, you ever seen those, like, videos or memes where they got one word that means a lot of different things? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember there was an old one about dude. And uh-huh. it said, like, oh, it could mean, you know, how's it going? Like, dude. Or yeah. it could mean, why did you do that? Like, dude. Right, right. And the other day I was with Dave and we were at this gig and you know, like I said, we're working and he sees me with Because you know, Dave's kind of addicted to discipline. Yes, and he sees me with a I took a water bottle whatever, you know Normal plastic water bottle and I poured discipline in it because I always travel with it and as I'm as I'm now standing with a clear plastic water bottle and Dave sees that I that it's discipline, right? Mm. And he just looks at me and he goes Bruh. (laughs) (laughs) And I totally knew exactly what he meant. He wanted some (laughs) discipline bad. And I was like, yeah, man, I got enough for you. So I I hooked up Dave and then he caught on fire. Yeah, on fire. Cognitively. Yes. That's really what. Yes, because we were, well, we did some physical stuff in the morning, but we didn't take discipline for that. Uh, It wasn't that hardcore. It wasn't like we were rolling. But yeah, he wanted the cognitive enhancement for putting together all the different applications of extreme ownership up in the company so yeah yep no big deal and that's what it is ultimately is a cognitive enhancing supplement but jocko style yeah and you know what this is the thing that i gotta figure out because i've got you know i've got my own little methodologies of how i operate just across the board there's just operations happening right that's just how i roll for instance the discipline on in when i go in the field or when i go on a trip i have a little little tupperware thing that's small and i put it up above a little elastic band on i carry in my travel bag whatever it's all good i haven't figured out how to do this with mulk yet which is a problem because here's the thing with mulk Mulk tastes freaking good and if you don't know what mulk is it's yeah it's got protein in it that's awesome it's got what are they? What are they called? Probi- it's probiotics. It's got probiotics, yeah. which is awesome. And I never took those before because I always thought that that was kind of like just like a yoga thing or something, right? <laughs> sure. But they're not. But uh, yeah. so, but they, no. but they're like, no. Like talking to Brian and Pete, they're like, no, no, no. You definitely want to. So we put them in there, and now that definitely your gut will feel better. But whatever, I don't care about any of that. It tastes freaking good, right? Mm-hmm. And so. It gives you the ultimate, gives you the ultimate like satisfaction. With yeah. you. you know, let's say you have a giant steak, which I eat a lot of giant steaks. Sure. First. Have you ever eaten a giant steak and you got done and you were still like, you know what? I just want like something a little bit. <laughs> I just want. Uh, no, not that okay, I can remember. So I, Maybe though. So I get that way. Sure. Where I want. Maybe it's all those years where I should just get after the mint chocolate chip ice cream at yes. the end of the night, and so sometimes that little, that little. I have a little flashback and I get done with the big steak and I'm should be all happy yeah, And instead that. I'm like oh man, I want really want some if you have milk with you. You're good. You want your dessert That's what you want. Yeah, you want a dessert. I don't want to say that but it looks <laughs> look up. so yes. anyways uh, If you get milk you can have dessert every night you can have dessert every day You can have breakfast milk and dinner 
Yeah, because it's a it's a meal. And actually, Leif was asking me. Leif's like, "What does mulk mean, anyways?" I was like, "I made it up." He's like, "What do you mean you made it up?" I said, "I made it up." How did you? What was the making up process for uh, mulk? Have you ever tasted it? Yes, sir. And what did you think when you first tasted it? Uh, it just tastes like a dessert to me. I was like, "Oh man, this is good mulk," and it just came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like I, there's no other way to describe it. Uh, it. It wasn't milk. It wasn't no ice cream. It was something else. It was something new. So there you go, milk. It's a mint chocolate milkshake oh, you know with what? probiotics in it, yeah. which is a big deal. Yeah. You were like, oh yeah, I guess it has probiotics, which I guess is cool. That's your whole tone yeah, by that yeah. bad. That's a huge deal. No, actually. I know that now. That now that I realize how it settles your stomach. But you know what else? Speaking of Dave Burke, Dave, you know how like I'm really into mint chocolate milkshake. Yes, sir, I do. His flavor happens to be peanut butter chocolate. Like uh-huh. that's his deal. So he's he's like a crack addict. Like when's that when's that when's that when's that chocolate peanut butter yeah. coming out? Yeah. So anyways, it's coming out. Um I don't and then and then he said, It's not coming out for a long time and I was like, Yeah, it's gonna be like another three, four weeks or five weeks and he's like I know, that's a long time. <laughs> so take it easy, yeah. Dave. We got you. Yeah, got Dave, you. I'm be honest, I agree with Dave. I feel the exact same way. And peanut butter chocolate happens to be my se- second favorite as well. What's your first favorite? Mint chocolate chip. Oh, so you're Ice in cream. the game? Yes, sir. I know you're fully in the game with yeah, me on that yeah, 100%. one. That's Actually, good. they're even interchangeable. We never made that connection. Yeah, I might have mentioned it. Maybe I did it. No, I, I would have remembered that. Yeah. So you're pumped. So, so yes, you're, you're all about that mold. Yes, sir, I am. Oh, you're 100% on board. Yeah, I try not to admit too much of my my liking for desserts around oh. you. I, I, I tame that back. But, yeah. the hey, the facts are the facts. And, yeah, the mulk. And, uh, actually, I didn't mention this where it's like, you know, you do the one scoop or whatever. Yeah. I don't do the one scoop, boy. I put in the in the big 30-ounce. Oh, I do two, th- three scoops even. How much Boom, milk are put you putting a little in there? Bit of, I, fill, I don't know. I fill it up. Well, you just said 30 ounces. So you're talking 30 ounces. Yeah, probably not to the top, top. So 20, 20, 23 ounces. 20, sure, 24, 25 24 maybe ounces. even. And you're putting two, three scoops in? Three scoops in. And three scoops in. I'm not How saying, thick is that? Because I'm doing like legitimate. 20 ounces of milk and two scoops. It's not extra thick, I okay. don't think. But that's just by my standard. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what's the standard? I don't really take yeah. protein powders or nothing like this. So Neither I don't do know I. the standard. <laughs> so we do that. Hey, thick, good. Put yeah. a, Actually, put an egg in there. Put it in the blender. Dang. Right, you really want to get nuts. I do that for like the... What squat day for the experience? No. All right, so that's Mulk. You want to go to want some? Get some. OriginMain.com. Yes. OriginMain.com is where you order it, and you can also get it on Amazon. FYI, if you didn't know that. Hey, speaking of OriginMain.com, if you want to come to the Jujitsu Immersion Camp, it is August twenty sixth through September second. There's two. What phases? Sessions. Sessions, or you can go to the whole thing. Somebody asked if we're going to go to the Origin Factory. If you want to come see the factory, yes, we're going to the the factory visit is in the middle of the week, and we'll be doing jujitsu all the time. So get some, and we'll see you there. I'm going. Echo's going. Echo's going to be incapacitated. Mm, quasi. Oh, so capacitated. Be, oh, so you just be in a knowledge acquiring mode. Yeah. And a knowledge sharing mode. Here's the thing. Technically, I I I could roll. I could roll. But okay, then we roll with that. Next question. Brian Viglioni comes and starts getting nuts. <laughs> I can't roll with him. Well, maybe I could. No, I could. I shouldn't. It'd be irresponsible for me to roll hard. Put it that way. Yeah. 
He didn't care. He came here and rolled. His knee was jacked up, right? His knee, yeah, but it's different. Like a muscle tendon attachment is directly mm. correlated, injury wise, directly correlated with how hard you go on that muscle. Directly. Okay. So you'll be a limited basis, but you'll be there to share knowledge, receive knowledge, oh, yeah. hang out, kick it, eat lobster. I will roll, yes. Oh, dang. Uh, now right, with cool. everyone. Well, Echo's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Dave Burke is going to be there. Leif is going to be there. JP, I believe, is marginal right now or not 100%, but whatever. We'll be there. We'll be hanging out. And a, like black belts galore. I forgot that part. Yeah. Black belts galore. There'll be a bunch of black belts and then every other belt. Yeah. Yeah. Which so is a huge deal, knowledge wise, even training wise. Yeah. Because most everyone's going to be training. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you get to experience, like, because, because, um, yeah, sometimes it's like if you've, some people have never rolled with a yeah, black belt. Yeah, some people never, no, some people have never trained before and they're going to come to the camp. That yeah. happened last year. People have never trained before came to the camp, but I'm sorry I cut you off and you were going to say that some people never rolled with a black belt before. Right, right. Like even if they've been training for even like a year or something like that, some, you know, sometimes that's how it goes, you know? Or if it's like, hey, I want to roll with Jocko specifically. Yeah. Are you going to roll though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're, yeah you're good. Yeah, I'm good. Last year I had a rib issue. This year, no issues whatsoever. No rib cool. issues. Good. So that's that. Yeah, boom. And also switching gears, just another good way to support the podcast and oneself. Jocko is a store. It's called Jocko Store. Website, jockostore.com. I know, super simple, but that's the way we keep it i keep it simple now too yeah that's a law of combat actually uh, yeah, exactly right boom and you practice what you preach as we all know anyway mm. jockostore.com this is where you can get jocko gear yeah well, like you can get rash cards sure and you used to always go on a big tangent about how it's for all activities sure it is yeah i do when the water's warm but right right now by the way out here in california mm -hmm. the water's warm you so, do not need a wetsuit at this time to surf mm-hmm and so yeah, the origin rash guards very effective for surfing the Jocko rash guards also very effective for surfing and cycling and cycling and whatever and else. Yeah. Yeah lifting, and all that kind of stuff, Yeah, and everything That's um, yes again jockostore.com is where you can get all this stuff t-shirts the ones you, that say discipline equals freedom Get after it tank tops by the way. Oh, yeah, and uh, also on Amazon. There's fake Jocko t-shirts Yeah I'm I'm cool. I'm I'm happy that you're in like trying to get in the game and that's yeah. cool. It's a cool way to f like feel cool about stuff. Yeah. It and you can do that. But you are not supporting. No. <laughs> that that support does not go to con that support goes to someone that a pirate. A pirate. Yeah, yeah. But not a like a not a, a cool pirate. Not a cool pirate, you know. Yeah. yeah. Just a thief. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so watch out for those. If you get yeah. your t-shirts, get them from jockostore.com. Also, you can get trucker hats. Yes, sir. Which you seem to be really surprised that trucker hats look cool on me. You told me you were like, I didn't well, really picture the situation going I, on. I don't know that I And I you can get right you get the flex where they flex. Flex fit. fit, see that? That's what everyone's all pumped for. I'm yes, old sir. school. Yeah. Yeah. And then beanies too. Yes, sir. Which which beanies for me, this is a so I sleep when I'm on planes. Sure. When I'm on a plane, I sleep. I put a beanie on my head. Well, so you sleep for like f four minutes. Yeah. In oh, my yeah, oh yeah, that's right. You've been on the plane with me. Yes, sir. I have. Uh, so I'll put my head up against the the bulkhead, as they call it in a plane, mm -hmm. and the beanie keeps your head from a little tiny vibrations <laughs> going the whole time. You just need that little beanie. It's like a pillow. Yeah. So I put on the beanie and sleep. If you see me, don't bother me. Um, 
and then I'll wake up and four minutes later be ready to rock and roll and I'll write another book. <laughs> yes, sir. See, so when you say, oh, I sleep on the plane, here's the thing. I sleep on the plane. No, you sleep on the plane. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, sir. I was is. impressed by your sleeping capabilities. Thank you, you. You you had sunglasses on. Yes. You were asleep for four straight hours <laughs> in a... You look like those... What are those uh, the Chinese statues um, in the big vault where they have like thousands of Chinese soldiers... Mm. All lined up. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, they're that's just what like, I look like. That you just look like a. Per, uh, you did not move. Yeah, you were out, and you yeah. did not move. Your head stayed straight up, and yeah. you just sat there asleep. Just so disciplined, yeah. sleeping. Yeah, yeah. disciplined sleeper. So when Me I hear I you say I sleep there. on the plane, I'm like, mm, you know, it depends on what you mean yeah. by sleep. But I get it, and the beanies eliminate the, uh, that. Makes sense. Yeah, they, um, they allow it, and they keep the head warm. Yeah, I was gonna say they bit. do have other uses, and yeah. even let's face it, they look kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, 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 I know you don't know about that either. You don't know about sleeping or looking cool. Nonetheless, they are available. That is true. Also, women's stuff. A lot of times, people ask me, "Hey, make more women's stuff," and I will. But there's women's stuff on their tanks and shirts and whatnot. The rash guards are kind of for everybody as well. But yeah, good stuff on there. Good women's stuff. Good stuff to get after it in and hoodies. Yes. Don't forget about hoodies. Yeah, I'm gonna make a new hoodie. You might not approve of this. I think. Why are we making things that I don't approve of? I, you know, sometimes. Hey, look, I don't break the rules. Ever. Okay. Why won't I approve of it? Except sometimes, um, because it's lightweight. It's a lighter weight hoodie. Can we? And it might be a zip up. As the Hawaiian version. Wait, why Maybe. would someone want a hoodie that's not gonna keep warm? It'll keep you a little bit warm because sometimes because you're going okay you know when you're sleeping or when you're trying to go sleep at night right and then you put the covers on you're like dang I'm too hot you take the covers off oh it's like too cold so you got to get in that little zone that you can't get into sometimes <laughs> every once in a while it's like that so sometimes in life it's like that okay while we're doing this can we make ultra I want the heaviest possible weight that they make in in, the, in America this is what we're gonna do I'm gonna get with Pete all right. And we're gonna straight gonna up it out. fabricate even, wh- whatever. Even yeah, I, even when you talk to Pete, like let me get the samples. I want them in my hands. I want to feel the weight. All right. I'm not playing around with this Hawaiian. Uh, no. Love Hawaii, as you know, it's my my homeland. Yeah. But I'm not down with the Hawaiian sweatshirts. Hey, so Hawaiian <laughs> <laughs> sweatshirt. Not where are you gonna wear a heavy, heavy hoodie? Not here. You're talking when you go to Montana yeah. or something like this. Montana, Michigan, yeah, Boston. Oh, so it's not even Maine. for here. Yeah, yeah, it's for some. It gets else. cold in the morning here. Okay, how how, how cold? Thirty three degrees. The no, no, I shouldn't hoodie. say thirty. Thirty six degrees. Thirty eight degrees. Go surfing in the morning sometime with me. I see what's up in I'm the winter. I'm not gonna wear a hoodie January. surfing first. No, no, though. you wear it too. Go to surfing. Go surfing. Okay. Um, all right. Hey, I'm going to take your word for that. And actually, I have a heavy hoodie, I think. You have a... Like a super y- ultra. Y- and I only you, wear it uh, when it's unreasonably cold. In my opinion, I'm from Kauai, by the way. Which for you is like 62. <laughs> yeah, you know, 55. Check. Either way, boom. That's yeah. what I'm going to do the summer one. You know what I think? This is what I predict. I predict people will like that one. Yeah. I think so very much, actually. Okay, we'll see. We'll check your fashion sense, yeah. um, which I have none, so we, we go with it. Uh, yes, hey, also, subscribe mm-hmm. to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Someone just told me Spotify. On your podcast on Spotify, we can fast forward without having a subscription or something like that. So okay. he, we're just on Spotify, just full on, whatever. It's yeah. all good. 
and also leave if you want to leave a review give us some feedback that's cool and you can do like one dude did who put an umlaut over every o <laughs> in his review so obviously yeah. he was in the game yeah he knows what up yeah cool youtube too yeah yeah the youtube the, the thing about youtube is echo makes he's not going to say this cuz he's super humble right <laughs> nobody sure. makes the 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 enhanced mm-hmm. videos which are legit and if you want to watch them you got to go there and he seems to be putting up more and more excerpts of little videos little clips of the podcast so you can share them shareable yeah wasn't there some like lunch thing called a shareable i think that was a lunchable oh, okay yeah sorry yes similar sure no yeah, no yeah, no yeah. all good bro you know man you yeah. know you're kind of new but Been yeah. drinking too much chocolate <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes, very sharp. I try to you uh, uh, choose or put up the ones that I think apply to all of us in one way or another. So many times, like people will say, "Hey, f- this is just on time right here." Mm-hmm. This little message because they were thinking this or something like that. Because it applies to all of us. I think. Bro, one of our bros that's kind of uh, you know we're not super tight, but we're 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 down. <laughs> he came up to me and he, he was like, "Hey, man." He ha- went through a little rough patch with a. Uh, with a female yes and he went through the whole breakup scenario yeah and he was like i watched that video a hundred times the breakup one yep yeah yeah but like you said you happen to put that out there and he happened to somebody somebody one of our other friends sent it to him like hey check this out and he was yeah. like oh okay yeah. got it now he's moving on as yeah. it should be yeah and it's way simpler and more effective i mean in a scenario like that where rather than saying hey remember that episode with that in it it's like two two and a half hours long hey re uh watch i uh yeah. timestamp this hey, there's a good message i'm not yeah. gonna do all that you know but if it's just extra you, you just made it sound like it's all laziness not necessarily laziness no, bro. yeah like there's sometimes there's some nuggets that just need to be put out there to the world yeah and it's not just because you didn't want some people don't have time to listen to it. Yeah, that's what I so mean. So it's just just, you know. Yeah, man. Jocko McNuggets. I yeah. remember that one. Um also, good way to support is on it.com slash Jocko. Good fitness stuff on there. I just got some um you know what? You know what I got? Elk. Bacon elk. You know, like mm. warrior bars? They're yeah, warrior yeah, yeah, bars. Yeah, yeah. And bacon. bacon I think elk. they're brand new. Did you yeah, get those? They're brand two? new. Yep. They Bro, just sent them out. So good. So good. Bruh. You know what I have for you too? Is I have a mace for you. Mm-hmm. I have a twenty pound mace that I've been hoarding at my house, and I apologize, but I owe it to you. I'll bring it next time. It's okay, bro. Because they're they're they're. You know what I use those for? People say, "What do you do with those?" Basically, I swing them around like a maniac, psycho barbarian with a battle axe. Yeah, but they're a little shorter. Yeah. Uh, but they're heavy, and I put it into my. I'll put it into my routine I don't yeah. say routine because that's every day I put it into a workout mm. almost as like a little mobility slash cardio slash something break it's it's a good tool to have yeah. it's a good tool to have that I got the little do you think the 20 pounder the 20 pounder looks light when I give it to you you're gonna be like oh I'm gonna yeah. no it's it's heavy well consider aside from a 20 pound weight like what weighs 20 pounds nothing huge things your TV <laughs> or something like this like you, yeah and then you see a mace I mean how, how, how long it's, is it's it? not what? even as long as you're showing it's probably might might not even be two feet long 
Yeah. And it's 20 pounds. 20 yeah. pounds. Yeah. yeah. So your your eyes and your brain and your body kind of yeah. like, there's kind of miscalculating, yeah. you know, by observation, you pick it up and you're like, dang, this thing is heavy. Yeah. It's they're, like they're a, heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do that. Yeah, actually, that's perfect. I go walk down this canyon right outside my house. This is a canyon. And I, don't, I always feel like I want to carry something. You know? This thing, actually, like, if you had it as a weapon, it would not be effective. It's too heavy. Yeah. It's but, like that. That's how heavy it is. It'd be cool to carry. And yeah. I'm sure if you had to bludgeon someone to death with it, you could right, certainly right, if do you that. Could land it. <laughs> but it would be not an ideal weapon yeah. against a mountain lion, which is like the big threat here when you're walking yeah. in the canyon behind your house. You know, you get the mountain lion, you're going to rear, rear that mace up yeah, and that thing got you by the neck. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's more just to get. Usually, I'll grab like a thin stick. Just it's just yeah. to kind of have, and yeah. it's just fun, you know. Yeah, no, but this would be good for that. be solid. Yeah, because you're like got one for you. Yeah, 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 I'm looking forward to that one. But hey, that elk, uh, I I don't even know if they call it a worry bar, but it's elk bacon. Bro. Yeah, there's uh 21 grams of protein in that. 21. That's good. And it's one of those things that can kind of keep you on the path if you're in the mood for a little something. Oh, 100%. Kind of like Psychological Warfare, the album. <laughs> yep. yes, you can sir. get that on, well, you can get it on iTunes, Google Play, MP3. It's a little album talking about how to stay on the path. That's all. Get some. Yeah. Well, actually, in the spirit of meticulous accuracy, it'll help you it's an album about telling you why and how you should stand the path yeah. in those moments of weakness when you kind of feel actually it's not when you feel like getting off the path the path it's when you don't feel like staying on that path for that moment this will get you right back on cool 100 affecting this jocko willink is the artist yes the sir <laughs> yeah you can get it on amazon itunes wherever you get mp3s that's where you get it also jocko white tea dry tea and in a can, by the way. So the dry tea, here's the thing. I didn't know this, so I'm, I'm going to say it, but, and I know a lot of people will be like, oh, I already knew that. Remember, like we were saying earlier? Uh, but dry tea, dry tea mm-hmm. is like the actual one you got to brew oh, in. This is tea bags then. Yes. what like we're talking ba- about. Yeah, like in a bag so or the, whatever. The Jocko White tea comes in a tea bag. Wait, can't you have it like, what do you call that? Loose leaf. Loose leaf. Okay. We do not have loose leaf but that's not at this time. Dry. You know, for the seven people out there that want loose leaf, passionately, I artisans. feel you. I feel you. And I just had a, a, a woman the other day that was like, hey, I really want loose leaf tea. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And there's six other of you that want that. <laughs> sure. And as we grow, eventually we'll do loose leaf for the purists. Right. right? For the purists that want to deal with that. Yeah. That have the time to deal with that. So right now, no loose leaf. You got to go with the tea bag or... In a can. Or you can get the can. Which, strangely, I'm the opposite. I don't know if I'd be considered opposite of the loose leaf artisans, but the can, I pound way more of the can than the, because I don't like brew it, right? Yeah, yeah. But the can, oh, I'm popping them every day. Surprisingly, too, because I don't, you know how how there's tea drinkers, technically, whatever? I'm not a tea drinker. This is what I think is going to be interesting. It tastes really good. Yes. It makes you feel really good. It's refreshing, right? It's just got, I would say it's that, got yes. that thing that just like is Bro, good. Right, okay. I, I think get one of the standard energy drinks. Mm. They're filled with sugar. They sh- and they, they, they got everything in there to make them taste good. That's what they're mm-hmm. set up for. Mm-hmm. And they got the caffeine that's going to make you feel good and all this stuff. As good as those things are, 
the the dark white tea is it's better it's 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 like if you had the choice of one of the two like let's okay let's be real i'm gonna be real here with you right now for a second sure if i had the choice between like a salad Mm -hmm. and a mint chocolate chip ice cream Mm -hmm. milkshake Mm -hmm. if i had to spill my heart spill your heart to you right now i'd be like if you put those two in front of me nine times out of ten I'm gonna get the mint chocolate chip milkshake. Occasionally, I'll be like, okay, I'll have the salad because I'm really in the mood for that. But nine times okay. out of the ten, like I'm just gonna go with what you know, which is that mint chocolate chip milkshake right. is good. Mm-hmm. With this, nine times out of the ten, you're actually gonna get chocolate white tea. You're not gonna take the thing. You're not gonna get the thing that's been engineered to be like attack your taste buds and make them massage and feel good. Yeah. And you know, and you know, what I think this is just obviously an assumption. But when you get like, okay, you have a dark white tea in a can, then you have a standard energy drink. The standard energy drink, I think, the taste is more of a secondary thing when they make it. It's more like you know, get you like the caffeine and the the, the whatever. Yeah, but they make that stuff taste good. Too. They try to, yes, yeah. but that's secondary. That's why, like, it, bro, taste an energy drink. It's like, okay, you know, yeah. oh, the taste, okay, it tastes good, but it's like. It can be an acquired taste. It tastes kind of weird, to be honest with you. And that's a good point. With this, it's like, I used to say, I don't want to overuse the word refreshing. Don't want to do that. Well, what but, I was just going to say is, in order to not overuse that word, have you ever, okay, remember when you were a kid mm-hmm. and you were doing something, you're all hot, sweaty, tired, like yes. it's hot outside and sure. you're thirsty. And so you're, you get a Gatorade yeah. and you drink the Gatorade. And when you get done with the Gatorade, you're still thirsty. Because it's got whatever it has in it that doesn't taste like water. It's like too far away from water. Mm. When you when you drink the tea, it's like an actual. Right. It actually satisfies the actual thirst. Yes, it does. Yeah, because it's so, su- it's super mild. It is mild. But, it is mild. But it does have a weird kind of. I mean, I don't want to overstate this but it's like this crispy kind of feeling <laughs> it could be the can it could be the can i don't know you know uh, how you drink no, something i get the some, same thing man like, i get the same thing so, bro, how's this? so two occasions this is legitimate and recent that's why so two occasions one time i was feeling kind of sick i was sick i was straight up sick and i was feeling like oh you know i t- i was sick to the point where i gotta take like one of these you know i don't know night Nyqu- mm-hmm. not nyquil it was like Something tylenol like you know the liquid one yeah. the little the red syrupy yeah, yeah, liquid yeah, yeah. one and I, it's been so long since i took anything like that so i was like i don't know how much you take let me so i put it in a little shot glass that i had and i just pounded it apparently it was too much so i'm like oh i'm like jammed up super jammed up like super nauseous head all messed up like oh i couldn't really like, think that good i was messed up and we had to record that day. So this was earlier, like in the morning. And then so I'm like, shoot, I'm hoping I'm off this thing. I just kind of lay down or whatever. And I, bro, I wasn't off it. When I came in and recorded, I was like, man, I'm like super nauseous. I'm not feeling good. So I tried to drink like some, a caffeine thing to kind of, bro, it didn't help. It was messing me up. So I grabbed one of these and instantly now, not the kind <laughs> like I drank some and then I ended up feeling better. It was like, I drank it. I was like, dang, instantly felt better. So I was like, uh, mm, you know, could have been a timing thing, whatever. Uh, and no, 100% full credit goes to Yeah, 100%. But uh, the thing is, that's what it's I'm thinking. It's now scientifically proven. <laughs> it's total anecdotal, uh, I realize. But, and then another time I drank, I, okay, so I'm, unlike you, like I do like coffee, you know, mm. for the, for the, the caffeine, right? Mm-hmm. In the morning, whatever. So I come across this coffee. The brand will remain nameless, but it's 1.75 times, almost two times the caffeine. 
200%, it's 175% ca- wow. of the caffeine. That's a lot of caffeine. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to get this. And, you know, if it's like too crazy, I'll just make less of it or drink less, water it down, whatever. So I make something first time, it totally messes you up. Yeah. It puts you, caffeine is like a curve where you want to hit it at the top of the wave, you know, where it catches you. If you drink too much, it makes you feel jittery. And then if you really drink too much, it makes you feel kind of sick. In my experience, this just regular, the same amount I drink of regular coffee, it put me over into nausea immediately. No, like, maybe good you got a caffeine. sensitive belly, dude. <laughs> no, it wasn't like pain, like how something it'll, it's like it's in your head, you yeah. know, it makes your head all wiggly or whatever. And so I'm like, man, I messed up for this thing. So the next day, I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna drink that. I was like, no, you know what? I'll water it down. So I water it down, boom, same exact thing, messed me up. And it happened to be yet another day that we record. So I come in, I'm like, okay, and I grab another one of these seeds. Again, instantly, like immediately. It didn't like, oh, help it wear off later or whatever. Like immediately made me feel better. No nausea. I'm not saying this is an anti-nausea medication, but I will tell you this. (laughs) You're just providing multiple examples of how it cured all diseases. (laughs) Awesome. I will say that about the Jocko White tea in a can. Organic, by the way. way. Certified. Yes, sir. All right. Cool. Uh, Got some books that I've written and you can get those on boy you can get them where books are sold yeah best one is not the best one the current one that I'm on right now me and my daughter where the worry kid to Mark's mission actually she was very very excited about that I think because you signed it too but oh. yeah but yeah that's a good one um, and she happened to be you know in the beginning the paper mache uh, yeah pumpkin, pumpkin. Yeah, yeah she was really into that by the way but she has a situation where one of the girls in her class is like she's not a teaser necessarily but she's just bossy you know oh, you yeah. gotta de- just you yeah. gotta deal with people I get, on- lot, I get a lot of warrior kid podcast questions about bossy kids yeah and it yeah, yeah and it makes sense but she, yeah she's she's all on that big yeah. time. And so that's a, another thing worth mentioning is there's the Warrior Kid books, two of them, Way the Warrior Kid and Mark's Mission. And there's also a Warrior Kid podcast called Warrior Kid Podcast. Yeah. And Ask Uncle Jake. So you can check that one out. There's also the Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual, mm-hmm. which tells you how to get after it very clearly. And if you want to get it on audio, the only way you can get it on the audio is as an MP3 album, or you can buy individual tracks if you want them. Sure. iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play, etc. Yeah. Also, extreme ownership. Yes. The you don't sell the original, right? Extreme mm, ownership. No, this is the second version now. Yeah. It's like an enhanced version. Yeah. Because clips, there's sections from the po- from this podcast in the new extreme ownership. Yeah. That's the when they come out when when they re-release a book. They want to add a little spice to it. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> so the spice is the podcast, actually. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. So Extreme Ownership book sprinkled with podcast. Yes. Spice. Spicy podcast. Stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, good one. Simple but not easy, that one. But if you can assimilate it legitimately, life-changing. What's cool, what's cool to me, yeah, you know, you th- just threw out life-changing. You yeah. just threw it out there Literally. like no well, big deal. I'm not the only one. No, that's what I'm saying. What's cool, what's cool is when people are pretty uh, stoked about the impact that it's had on their personal life and on their business and on their family. And I hear people talking about that and they, they come and talk to me about it and send me emails and everything else. It's awesome. So that's the book, Extreme Ownership. Wrote it with my brother, Leif Babin. 
and Leif and I just wrote another book. I kind of referenced it a couple times today. It's called The Dichotomy of Leadership. And Leif and I literally, I keep saying we just get done writing it. Have you heard me say that on this podcast before? Yes. Well, I have. You know why? Because every time you edit, you got to edit again. So every time you think you're done, you're not done. And so we just turned in another series of edits. And the edits are, it's not like we're going through these massive changes, but you just, you just, somebody changes something in a sentence and then it throws off this other thing. And so it's just a pain. Um, The way... That's that's what we're doing. Do you have the philosophy like um, how they? I, don't, I forget who said it, but it's like editing is done when you can take away no more. Yes, and then there's the other yes. one that's no, the opposite. When, yes, editing is done when you can't. You can't. Every word matters, and that's yeah, what you yeah. want. And you know, Leif and I, Leif, Leif, basically, like I do, like a thousand words a day, and I edit the same way. Well, I edit. Dang. I you can edit faster, so I'll edit like one chapter at a time, mm-hmm. but. But then I'll do that one per day. Leif's the opposite. He just goes, boom. He just goes and uh, he'll call me at like midnight, bro. I just got I've been editing <laughs> for 18 hours. Hard. <laughs> I've been editing for 18 hours. I made it up to chapter nine. I'm like, that's awesome, man. But yeah, so we, and then we edit each other. And so we're, it takes a while. So we just finished another series of edits. And both of us are still. Leif sent me a text the other day. He's like, "Bro, this book, this book is awesome." It is actually. I, oh, that's right, because you, you have a little, a little taste of it now. A little insight, yeah. Yeah, so it is. So I think it's really going to help people out. And again, you can pre-order that thing right now, so that the publisher prints enough, so that people can actually have them, because the publishers don't ever get it. And it does, man. It does help. And I'm. I don't want to. I don't want to give it away. Any kind of spoiler, nothing like that. But it does. It makes like complete sense, especially after extreme ownership, mm-hmm. where you know, so extreme. Ownership, like, and it kind of has this tone of extremeness, which yeah. is it's all true and accurate. Right. But I can see how like someone someone might not get that little element of like, hey, it's extreme, but it's more of like this approach to like this whole For thing, sure. and that whole thing is this balance. Yes, act, you know, like the not dichotomy too, of leadership. Yeah, I actually wrote in the book dichotomy leadership. Yeah, one of the. Pro- one of the problems with extreme ownership is the title extreme ownership because people think it got to be extreme. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. no, actually, you need to you need to not be extreme. Most of the time, as a leader, you need to be balanced. Now, do you need to be extreme in your attitude towards ownership? Right. Yes, you absolutely do. Yeah. But do you need to be extreme in your attitude of being aggressive? No, because if you get too aggressive, yeah. you're going to cause other problems. Yeah. So, yeah, like extreme meaning, like don't deviate from thinking like this kind of thing. Not like... When I go in, I'm just owning everything, no exceptions. Right. What you say doesn't matter. This is mine kind of kind of extreme. Yeah. It's not that. And then really the extremeness of the balance. It's almost like a contradictory thing, but it's it, all the parts that like I'm I'm using it for a little something that I have to that I'm <laughs> I don't have to do it. But, you know, anyway, I'm reading some of it. Yeah. And it's like, man, it makes it really clear. It's really good. Yeah. No, that's that's what Leif texted me the other day. I'm like, yeah, because obviously we've been reading it a bunch, and I think it's going to really help people out. Yeah. Really help people out. Agree. So that'll be good. And you know, actually, on top of the dichotomy of leadership, speaking of leadership, if you need leadership training on site for you or your team, you can check out Echelon Front. That's my leadership consulting company with Leif, with JP, with Dave. We got some other people coming on board right now, which is awesome, awesome guys. And what we do is we solve problems through leadership. That's what we do at Echelon Front. Echelonfront.com. Come and get some.
effectively i feel like i'm kind of like this ongoing client of echelon front of you know of your consulting you know just because i'm always kind of around yeah you know yeah so it's like it's interesting how just by what do you call it not osmosis no it is osmosis osmosis by being there it kind of sifts into your brain boom yeah (laughs) it's good Uh, also the muster that's a big part i'm essentially an attendee at the muster with a camera. With a camera, which yeah. is even more so. Yeah. Because I yeah. get to rewatch it, certain parts. Oh, yeah, and you, know. you get to get up, like, move around, get yeah. close. Yeah. Outstanding time, by the way. And the, so, yeah, there's a net, There's another one. The the one, the last one we went to sold out. The DC. one before that one sold out. DC was pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean. And it was a beast D- well, one. Well, let me. DC was awesome. It was just awesome being in DC. And the muster was a good time. And people learned a ton so yeah sold out again yeah all of them sold all out. Them sold out yeah and so it's reasonable as you always say to believe that this next one's gonna sell out oh the next one's gonna sell out yeah yeah they're definitely gonna sell out it's uh san francisco muster 006 october 17th and 18th it's absolutely gonna sell out so if you want to come Register the other thing that happens is you book hotel rooms, you know, because those things get bought bought up, too. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it, it's it's a leadership seminar We talk about leadership and it's not just talking about leadership We actually give you the pragmatic tools that you need to take home and become a better leader in yeah. your business in your life I was watching this I was watching TV the other day Because my kids were watching TV wasn't my choice by mm-hmm. the way That's but nonetheless cool. i'm Own watching it. i'm watching tv and i see a little you know the commercial it's almost it's a local like commercial you know how the commercial mm-hmm. like like one commercial kind of starts then it goes to the local commercial you know that situation oh yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah that okay. happens so anyway it's for this seminar you know for i don't know i forget maybe real estate or whatever you know cool cool info whatever and you know how in the video they show uh you know like clips from yeah. the actual seminar that yeah. they held last time or something like that bro I'm like, and then you can't help but compare it to like the muster no. situation, and it's like, man, night and day. You know, you, and that one is cool. It looks like people are getting good information, but bro, it's just way different, yeah. man. Just no, to, it's um, that's why the, that's why they're all selling out, and yeah. that's why people are people are coming back. So and there's that added element where they kind of get to hang with you guys. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. You, there's you know, no green room. There's yeah. no behind the stage. Actually, the last one there was literally no backstage. Yeah, we, yeah like yeah. there was no place. You, we were just out front. We were out front the whole time. Yeah. the whole team. Not that you would even need it because you kind of, you don't go back there. No, you can't kind of no, can't. No green room. Even when you say there's a break, there's already a line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of formula, okay? Because yeah. you know you get questions and people want to ask questions in between yeah. and sign books and hang out and take pictures and all that stuff. That's what we do the yeah. whole time. Yeah. And no that's breaks. not to mention we're on the same hotel. Leif, Leif lost nine pounds Bro, during the muster. Me too, seven. Really? Yeah. Because that's what we're doing. We're just, and there's going, no going. time to eat. Like, like we we literally don't eat. You don't eat because mm-hmm. you, I mean, we don't. You can eat as a, as a attendee, you can eat. But yeah, like yeah, Leif, yeah. me, the boys, we don't have time to eat. We're yeah. working. Yeah. And so, yeah, I come to muster. Also, uh, for current military, law enforcement, border patrol, firefighters, paramedics, first responders, we got the roll call September 21st in Dallas, Texas. It's uh, like a really focused one-day leadership training seminar aimed at people that put on a uniform and deal with dynamic situations. And that's also available to register at extremeownership.com. And until we see you live and in person, either at the muster 
in San Francisco or the roll call in Texas or the immersion camp up in Maine if you want to if you want to hang out with us virtually we are hanging out actually on the interwebs echo is at echo charles and i am at jocko willink and to all the servicemen and women out there in the world thank you for protecting our nation and to the police law enforcement firefighters paramedics border patrol thanks for keeping us safe here at home and to the families of all those that serve thank you for supporting those heroes that support us and to everyone else that is listening remember as we learned today laziness is the shame of us all laziness makes us prefer the easy path the weak path instead of glory do not allow that instead take the hard path Take the discipline path. Take the war path. The path of getting after it. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.